Hey everyone, uh, before we get going with uh, Mr. The Smoke, just want to put in yet another promotional plug for this upcoming Rolex 24 at Daytona taking place Thursday, January 25th through Sunday, January 28th. Of course, the big race is uh, Saturday and Sunday, the 27th and 28th, because it's 24 hours long. Uh, if you are new to sports car racing in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, this year's Rolex 24 is absolutely the year to go. It's always been sort of a true all-star race with guys coming from IndyCar and NASCAR and F1, as well as, of course, all the top dogs native to sports car racing. Uh, but this year's got a special amount of buzz. We got some brand new prototypes from teams like Penske and Acura, drivers like Fernando Alonso and Helio Castroneves and Juan Montoya, uh, plus all the usual stars, including a ton of Dinner with Racers alumni that are coming out, uh, drivers like Catherine Legg or Patrick Long or Joey Hand, and a lot of behind-the-scenes guys like Dan Binks, Mike Hull, Bill Riley, a whole star-studded cast coming out. Uh, definitely not one to miss, and it's uh, Daytona, which means it's extremely fan-friendly, extremely accessible. If you go to DaytonaInternationalSpeedway.com, they've got several ticket packages you can take a look at. Uh, I always recommend, because this race is so long and it gives you so many opportunities to kind of explore, it's well worth getting all the access you can buy. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. You'll get to see vantage points you've never been able to see before, and there's nothing cooler than sort of walking through the garages at 3 a.m. and seeing who's repairing what or uh, just sort of casually bumping into gosh only knows so anyway come on check it out ryan will be there i will be there everybody's friendly everybody's approachable everybody is thrilled to have you there so come on out the rolex 24 at daytona taking place the uh, 27th and 28th of this coming january at daytona international speedway Plenty of things going on in Daytona Beach for the significant other who maybe doesn't care about racing but wants to check out uh, some, some nice restaurants, nice hotels. It's well worth it, I promise. Please go. Thank you. On with the show. So, Mr. The Smoke. Yes. Or can we call you Tony? You, you can call me whatever you like. Fair enough. Fourth place finisher at the 2004 Rolex 24 at Daytona. Oh. Man. What? It's a highlight. Okay. Yeah, one spot off the podium, but hey, who's counting, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you could describe this dinner we just had in one word, what would it be? Hangry. You guys had dinner. I sat here and had to talk through the whole thing. Mr. The Smoke, we offered. I know you offered. Okay. I know. I didn't realize you that this was going to be like a four-hour interview either, but one of you was asking a question and the other one would be eating, eating so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, and yeah only one guy yeah. can do the answer here and that's me so luckily i've been able to pound down some some uh liquid pork chops yeah those bush lights look delicious yes they are sponsor bug and now for dinner with racers presented by continental tire with your hosts ryan eversley and sean heckman placeholder radio Welcome to Dinner with Racers. I'm your host, Ryan Eversley, alongside your co-host, Sean the Heckman. Okay. Sh no, just Sean Heckman. Okay, that's better. Yeah. Now, we're very lucky this season to have some amazing guests. But before we get into that, let me tell you all the crazy things we did to get there. So, we are currently driving on day number 34 of our trip from Charlotte, North Carolina to Atlanta, Georgia, where we both will then jump on flights and be done with this 13,000 mile journey that took us across 25 states to bring you 29 
free dinners. You know, nothing says uh, relaxing at the end of a long trip like flying off to another one. But I'm happy to work with Continental Tire on their social media. So, uh, if we haven't mentioned it before, this is the season of holy crap! Holy crap! Wow! Holy crap! How did this happen? And we say this because, uh, holy crap, we got Tony Stewart. Tony beep, beep, Stewart. The Mr. The Smoke. Mr. The Smoke was the coolest guy, gave us a lot of time, was very open. Couldn't be more thankful to Sherry Herman for setting this up for us. Absolutely. Now, if you don't know uh, Mr. The Smoke's story, started his career on the local uh, dirt track scene, became a huge star of what's known as USAC ranks, moved on to IndyCars, won that championship, moved on to the, the NASCAR Cup Series, uh, won three championships there, two Brickyard 400s, and is largely considered one of the greatest racing drivers of any era. It's really cool to get to sit down with Tony and talk to him about his, his past and also kind of gauge him just as the guy he is away from the racetrack. He told a really cool story about how he kind of got his first big break and it's not the direction that normal opportunities come from. Uh, one year into retirement, we learn about literally making bucks. We learn about the journalists he does and doesn't like. Uh, all the stuff you'd want to hear about Indy, about NASCAR, etc. Cool story about unofficially setting the fastest lap ever at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, we learn about biting a monkey. <laughs> and exiling a pig. So uh, on National Boston Cream Pie Day, uh, we headed out to the Port City Club in North Carolina. And uh, what did you get? I had a delicious meal that I completely remember the name of. And uh, Tony had, I think, water <laughs> and a lot of beer. Uh, I had a chicken sandwich. And a quick little teaser note, he gave us so much time, you're actually not gonna hear all of it. We're actually gonna break this up into two episodes, but in the meantime, shout out to Dario Franchitti for uh, driving this whole way. This is almost over, right? You just drive, okay? Getting sick of your attitude. Shout out to the folks at Agura for this lovely MDX, and of course, the people who made this entire thing possible. Got Nettle Tire. Cross Contact Alex Sports. Tony Stewart. Meow. All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two. Hey, man. How you doing? <laughs> it tried. We tried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. How you doing? I'm Ryan. Nice to meet you. Hey, Sean. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Sean. Oh, sorry. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Hi, I'm Ryan. Nice to meet you. Cheers. Yeah, yeah, yeah do your thing. thing. Yeah. Was that, is that, so is that your Ford? Yeah, we had a theory. That you were just sitting there if you were on the phone? We figured you were just like either rolling calls or just doing everything you could to stall to sit with us. Either one we would have accepted. No, no, I was so. waiting on the rain to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I was just waiting on the rain to stop. So. That's fair. All right, we're going to jump right into this with the very, very hard, um, yeah. super hard-hitting questions. How do we get you to Lamar? That's a great question. How do we do it? That's what I want to know, too. All right, yeah, I'm enough. ready. Are you FIA ranked yet? God, I don't know. I, Probably I not. Probably. Well, yeah. not, you're I not have my list. FIA license, yeah. so I don't know. No. I, I don't know if you have to renew it each year or not. But you yeah, but you don't need. To, they'll give you one when you're ready. Yeah, they'll they'll do a background check on you though. I could slow it down yeah, just like, a little wait, bit. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, how often are you in in Charlotte? I have hardly been to Charlotte this summer. I, I've probably been two weeks, and other than that, it's just been hit or miss, day or two at a time. Yeah, I've been. I'm raising white-tailed deer on my property right. at home, and since we started that at the beginning of last year, everything else on my properties went Okay. Because I got one 25-year-old kid that, well, 27-year-old kid that works for me. All right. Used to be three people, now they're down to one. Yeah. 
the other two were flakes a couple and they moved back to Alabama where they belong so <laughs> <coughs> but um, I mean just so overwhelmed doing this deer thing <laughs> I mean, how many do you have 110 right now. Oh, Jesus we had 50 Christ. babies this year. We had, okay. we had 63 right. doe. We had 63 doe and three bucks. Yeah. And we've lost three doe. Um, still have the three bucks. Then we had 50 babies, and we we lost about three of the babies. Now uh, I've got three more breeder bucks, too. So I got six breeder bucks. Yeah. So all the, are we, and are I, we doing this yet or no? Yeah, no, we're doing it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, I can't really <laughs> say. We, so his job is just to make more babies. <laughs> but, no, it's uh, it's been it's been really interesting to watch uh, – it was cool because twice a day we would literally walk through these pens and three of us would go three wide in these pens and go through the whole thing from fr- front to back yeah. and look for babies. Because if you can get them in the first day, day and a half, they absolutely, maybe in two days, they won't, will not move. Uh-huh. They'll just, if they're, I mean, you, you literally just walk right up to them and pick them up yeah. like wow. a cat. Yeah. Wow. They will not move because the, the mother teaches them just to lay still, lay in that spot that mm-hmm. she's put it in and stay there and don't move. So when anything comes, it just sits there and just right. So I, I, I got to take these. Like, what is the exercise in raising deer? The, I, the I don't really understand. Is, it, is this just to then release, or is it just to have more well, deer in the backyard? I'm 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 technically a hunting preserve now. Okay. In Indiana, so okay. eventually we're going to sell hunts on my property. But it didn't start that way. Yeah. Uh, the the state changed their laws, and we knew it was coming up. Yeah. And and it's out in Indiana. Yeah, in yeah. Indiana. So we couldn't be high fenced. So we, we've already had problems with uh, a guy that the DNR actually caught. They they have our gate codes, so they come in and cruise around the property whenever they that, want, yeah. which is great. Because right. we had another guy on in town that was raising deer and this and that that was creating a big problem. And I don't know what, what his beef was with us, but sure. creating problems. So DNR, we just gave him the gate codes. Said, come in anytime. Showed him how to get around the I property. I think we're both too scared to ask what's DNR. The De- oh. Department of Natural Resources. Copy. Okay. Sorry. Yep. So uh, so they have their codes and yeah. come in whenever they want, which is great. Um, but they caught a guy that had backed this four-wheeler up to our fence. Our fence was only six feet tall at the time. Okay. So backed this four-wheeler up. The guy jumped over the fence and then went hunting in there. And if he got something, then he was going to drag it under the fence, uh, right. which screws the fence up. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. At the same time, yeah. hunting on private property. Well, yeah. say, what happens if this kid breaks his ankle walking through your field? Exactly. You know what I mean? So that's the other problem. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's – you could have a million signs around it that says no trespassing. Right. Yeah. And if they get over your fence and break their leg, you're yeah. liable for it. Right. Yeah. So we wanted to be able to high fence it. So that was the big reason that we did what we did. But to high fence it, then everything changes. Now you don't report, report to DNR. You report to the Indiana Board of Animal Health. Oh, okay. Cool group of people, by the way. So, but then you're self-contained. So nothing comes in, nothing goes out. Right. So before deer went in, deer went out, and all this and that. But now we have to be high fenced, which is eight feet or eight feet minimum or above. Okay. So we're 10-foot fence all the way around the majority of the property, and what's on the road is is a 8-foot steel decorative fence. So um, it's been a project doing that part of it. But it, the, the whole concept of it was just, hey, we can bring some cool bucks. We could buy a couple bucks here right. and let them breed in here. Yeah. And then it went from that to we, we got going. I was like, well, shoot, then we can get some nice dough, too, and yeah. breed those. To man, we're spending a lot of money on this thing. We got to figure <laughs> out how to make some of this money back. <laughs> right, right. So now, so now we're we're going to be in a position where we're going to be selling deer as well. Okay. And then it was my idea actually to to do the hunting side of it. And yeah. It, it's more set up for corporate type clientele. Okay. But I have a, a six bedroom house, yeah. and so my bedroom has already got keypad locks on it and you know touch touch mm-hmm. uh, pad locks on it. 
because we knew we would be entertaining a lot of people, and sure. I, d I just didn't want people going through my bedroom. So um, <laughs> that's un understandable. Somehow that makes sense. <laughs> so, yeah. so we can we got five bedrooms that we can put five hunters in, nice. and so if the CEO of Coca-Cola wants sure, to sure, yeah. bring his grandson and two or three other people, he, right. he can have my house. And literally, most of the time when you go to a nice place, you're, you're in a, a really nice bunkhouse that's away from the main house. Okay. Right. This is actually this is the actual in house. my house. Right. And, and everything that I've got in there, you know, pinball machines, bowling lanes, yeah. ping pong table, pool How big table, is the property? shuffleboard, video games, right. everything. Yeah. It, it's 414 acres, which in hunting preserve standards is not a huge piece of land. Right. Uh, I think I got a lot of friends in Texas, and they're ten thousand plus. Yeah, acres, yeah, which yeah, yeah. Is helicopters and stuff humiliating <laughs> and humbling at the same time. But <laughs> to have four hundred acres where we have four hundred acres is actually a big piece of land. Yeah. So I'm I'm happy with what I've got. And if you find four hundred acres around there, it's most of it's farmland. So sure. this is none of it's farmland. And not being hunters, that kind of like a fish in a barrel kind of thing for for can no. be hunters. I don't really know. No, so. it's really not. Yeah. I mean, we we get people that complain about it. There's people that that don't like that aspect of it. Uh, but the majority of our hunters are going to be bow hunters too, and that adds a whole another yeah. element of difficulty to it. And you're in a lot closer range to get a deer in. So right. it's um, the state of Indiana; they adopted rifles, so that's something new that they had last year, sure. which you could reach you could reach halfway across the property if it weren't for the hills. So right. I mean, yeah. it's we have a lot of hills, so you're not going to have there, there's no longer shot that you would take than probably 200 yards at my property. So you're not just opening the window and sniping? No, yeah. not at all. <laughs> okay, not fair all. enough. Now, I might reach out the window and feed them. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. We actually have one that, that uh, one, one of the does we named Peanut, and uh, we bought 12 doe from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And the guy goes, yeah, just get you a five-gallon bucket and put peanuts in there and shake it and yell peanuts, and they'll come, they'll come running. Right. Well, they don't come running like he said they would. But there's one that's rich. She's really, really friendly. She comes sure. up. I literally will reach through the fence and scratch both sides of her neck like a dog. Oh, wow. I think okay. she's that friendly. Yeah, that's the one you've had on Periscope. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. She, she will never – she'll never leave the – the breeder pen area. I okay. mean, it's a right. we got two big holding pens, and she's always – she's basically going to be a pet at the end of the right. day. Right. House deer. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that's what she's like. <laughs> she's like, she's like the, the house mom. Yeah. She's like the house mom at a, at a frat deal. Right. Um, <laughs> she kind of takes care of all the deer in that pen and, and – uh, it's kind uh, of the we matriarch. caught her nurse and other other no, deer right. that, other yeah. fawns that weren't hers. So right. I mean, she she is kind of like the den mom on the property. <laughs> yeah. But it's kind of cool. It's it's neat to take people around there. I, I'm going to have a lot harder time hunting now because I'm I'm You've a big animal a person anyway. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I, I try to not get too used to being around the fawns. But the the uh, the doe and and the the breeder bucks they uh, they're pretty cool. And the, the bucks don't come around. They do. They'll let you. I've got one that'll let you get about. 50 feet away from him and as long as there's the fence in between there and he'll he'll let you look at him and take yeah. pictures of him but other than that he's he, he doesn't really care the other the other two one of them as soon as he sees you he runs to through into the trees yeah. and hides and yeah. i got another one that he'll, he'll get about 80 to 100 feet away and he'll stand there and let you take pictures but he won't right. he's like all right you got you got 30 seconds and i'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. that's about how long he lasts and he's gone that's how we feel right now so <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, even even in retirement, you're still making the big bucks. Okay. No, All right. no, you I wish. See, I, I, no, that a was pun. a bad joke. Yeah. I wish. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. No, because trust me, I wish I was making big bucks right now. You're I, cut off. I, I, I'm out. <laughs> I, listen, I, we got to make sure our beers stay above half glass here. Uh, yeah, here's we just raise our hand and we'll flag somebody over yeah. if they get low here. But, <laughs> but um, no, I, I you know it's it's been a it's been a different year for me for sure. I mean we. Uh, like I said, we had the deer program going on, and all everything else kind of went by the wayside. So this year, I started really working on my. I got a eight and a half acre lake, so yeah. I've been working yeah. on the lake and the yeah. fish, and we're gonna sell fishing 
days and this and that too. So, so you're basically trying to get that Bass Pro Shop for life partnership. That's what it looks like. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I saw pictures of, of the my house. house. Yeah, the inside of my house was oh. done by Bass Pro Shop. <laughs> I, I was like, I'm pretty sure he's really taking it to a new level. Yeah, because yeah. you even have like the aquarium. Yeah, I got a 5600 like, yeah. gallon uh, freshwater aquarium, and then I've got a 1500 gallon stream. <laughs> and so Indoor. when you come in the front door, you yeah. have to go over the bridge over the stream to get yeah. into the great room where the tank is. But <laughs> okay. I mean, it's it's yeah. if you cannot relax up in that main room, you you got to go see a doctor, right? Because it's it's the most peaceful room. It's got two waterfalls, so you just got waterfalls running down, yeah. watching the fish. I mean, it's I, I like it. I enjoy that part of it. Um, we've got a we've got a large mouth that's over twelve pounds in that oh, tank. Wow. That is a showstopper. So right, uh, right. And we're we're getting we're we're switching from. Uh, trout that were in the stream to now koi fish okay so uh yeah. i've been buying koi on this auction site where you can bid on these koi so uh that's been kind of fun to to get that redone and and yeah. redo that side of it but it is at bass pro people were the ones that actually did the both of the stream and all the stuff around it anything about what we're what we do or what this is that's totally fine. Yeah, no, yeah, I, that's yeah, why yeah, I was yeah. like, well, we got till 6 o'clock. Sean's a PR guy in racing, and I'm a race car driver. Like, we're not media. We know you love the media. We're not We're not those guys. I, I actually don't even mind. I actually hang out with the media a lot more now than I used to because yeah. it's a totally different field this year. Yeah. Not being in a race well, car. Well, not, not being in a cup car. They're not right. making the same story every week out of you. Well, and they're, not, they're not looking at you to try headline. to make a story yeah, 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 yeah. when yeah. nothing else is going on that right, week. So right. uh, I get to slide in, and it's like, hey, how are you? But there's a bunch of them. I mean, contrary to popular belief, I actually am and am and, and now, was yeah. oh, even before. I yeah. mean, my whole career, I've been friends with a lot of those media members. Right. But there's the three or four that I just absolutely, Viv Bernstein, if that girl was on fire on the side of the road, I would not pee on her to put the fire out. I just wouldn't do it. Is just that have no respect for her. And it's because she goes for, like, the low-hanging fruit story or? Well, that, she doesn't show up every week. And, then, ah, and, and ah, it's okay. just a. And when she does show up, it's <coughs> normally, you know, she writes, I think it was for New York Times or somebody. Yeah. You know, one of the New York papers. And mm -hmm. so when she came, it was like, oh, you know, she's the thinks she's the big dog uh, around kind of her. Big, but she always stirred, just had to stir the pot. Yeah. You know, and when you're not there every week, I mean, and, and you get sent down for a weekend, you, you got to try to get something that's big. Right. Is that, I mean, beyond the sort of stories, right, is there kind of an earn it mentality? With you in the sense that, like, if you're there every week, you're yeah. earning your place. You yeah. know what I mean? Versus, like, somebody who flies in once every so, half dozen. So I had two peop two kinds of people that I didn't like. Yeah. I didn't like the Vivs that were there and that were trying to create some, for the some big drama. And, that's right. it. Yeah, yeah. and then I didn't like the people that showed up and asked the really stupid questions. Sure. If you if you asked a stupid question, I it was like a Ginsu knife infomercial. <laughs> for 30 <laughs> seconds, I would just carve them up. Right. Because <laughs> it's like, if you're going to do this and you're going to take my time... Ask me something that makes sense. Yeah. Ask me something that means something. Don't yeah. just ask some generic, stupid softball question. Yeah. Like softball questions I could answer even. But sometimes they would ask just really stupid questions. Yeah. And it's people that are new to journalism. You know, it's the first time they've got a big job, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But I was never easy on those kind <laughs> of yeah, people. Yeah. That's what, like one of my favorite <laughs> clips of you on YouTube is like it's like week eight of the chase at Richmond. Or was it Richmond? No, it surely you got to be thinking of Talladega. Surely, uh, the one where I said after the halfway at the halfway point, if we haven't wrecked enough cars, we're going to send half half of the remaining field backwards. And that wasn't yeah. it, but I like it. And then, oh, that, that was one of the most iconic clips of my yeah. highlight yeah. reel. It was also uh, might as well just make it a figure eight. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, this yeah. is awesome. Yeah, fired up. Yeah. <laughs> Every time Talladega comes up, they, that, <laughs> they that, clip, go to that clip comes and starts running again on Facebook <laughs> and stuff right. like that, YouTube and all that. It's yeah. going again. Yeah. But I think it was like it was like week eight of the cha or playoffs, and um, like they, every week they're asking you the same, like, "How's the pressure this week?" 
you know, and, and it's yeah, you and Edward. You're right, like, it was Richmond. Yeah, and, and it's like, it's the same answer I had from last week. What do you want? Yeah. Um, and it's a different week. It's like the week starts over. Right, 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 exactly. It doesn't change. You still got to go do the same job. Yeah. Right. But yeah. after but after seven straight weeks of saying that, they now still you're on the week one. eight yeah. uh, and and you're just over it. Right. Yeah. But that, but what I liked is like we're we're big Marty Smith fans cuz he gave us time last year and uh, and he follows it up with a question about like uh, at the time from getting a new competition director for the yeah. team and you're like that's what that's a good question. <laughs> yeah. That took thought and and I was like I love how you made an example of that. Marty's you know? one I always got along with. Yeah. Jenna Fryer, we had a lo we've had a love-hate relationship. We're like a brother most of the time we're like a brother sister relationship. We yeah. talk all the time. Um, but we've we've had a couple periods in the 20 years that I was in the sport where I put her in the Viv category. I, w I wouldn't even talk to her. Yeah. Wouldn't give her an answer. If she asked a question, I'd just go next question. I right. wouldn't even answer it. But a lot of those people in the media and photographers, same thing. I, I like, I like, I dislike photographers more than I dislike the people in the media center. Okay. Because because they're like cats. If you if you think about, it, they're always creeping around, trying you know, Looking trying to moment. get a natural shot where you you don't you don't see them coming. Which yeah. it's like a cat creeping around. It's like God, <laughs> I hate it. But at the same time, again, there's probably a dozen of them in the garage area that I'm great friends with. Yeah. Um, some of them come to my property and hunt currently. Yeah. Come over on, during the off season and come hunt for a couple of days. So it, everybody always thought I hated the media. Was, I didn't hate the media. I just hated the handful of bad apples like there is sure. in yeah. everything. Yeah, so. right, right. Speaking of media, we met with uh, Robin Miller about... That's a guy I like. Yeah, yeah oh, that, we've that's heard. where I'm coming yeah. with it. And he, uh, it ties to your lovely girlfriend... Uh, girlfriend? Lo everything ties to my lovely girlfriend <laughs> most of the time these days. She's the boss? Is that where we're going? Uh, not really. Okay. <laughs> she just ends up being a common denominator in a lot of sure, things. Sure, she, she, uh She's great for me because she's a good diversion from me. Okay. People okay. don't care yeah. about me. They see her and they, they want ah, to talk to her versus yeah. me. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, that's great. That's, I love this. <laughs> so Robin Miller, who refer, you referred to as the A.J. Foyt of PR and yeah. media, which we thought was awesome because we know Robin just from Robin, but then we met him and did this, and we're like, yeah, that guy's awesome. Like, what a, what a character and believes like because you see that guy and you think oh man this guy's just spouting off to spout off but he believes no. everything that he Absolutely. talks about believes and, it and the thing yeah. that and 95 percent 90 to 95 percent of the stuff that he's bitching about yeah, yeah. is spot on right he's absolutely spot on with it yeah it, occasionally he'll get off on it get off his rocker and get on a tangent sure but still he he believes it and he believes in it and he's going to fight for it i mean and, and and even times that i disagreed with him i'm like hey i I've always respected him because here's a guy that's willing to stand on the ledge right. and take the shots when, when nobody else yeah. will and stand up and speak his mind and stand up for what he thinks is right. So right. I've <coughs> Rob and I have always got on good. Yeah. Right. Well, he claims that you didn't have quality control when it came to, we'll call it ladies, but he used a different term. And then we meet Penelope, and she's lovely. So yeah, well, the blind squirrel will find a nut once in a while. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of speaking of Penelope, uh, so Ryan in the sports car paddock is actually one of the more approachable drivers. So it's very common for Ryan to sort of be in a conversation. Yeah. And my job, being somebody that no one knows, is to be sort of the guy who's like, "Hey, you got that drivers meeting you got to get to, and have right. the you know the code Photograph. to get out of the thing." Yeah. Photographers meeting. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> what's her What's her code to get you out of a conversation you don't want to be in? 
It's we got we got a meet and greet because <laughs> normally it's on Sundays. <laughs> normally I'm on sun, Sundays is when I go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't have drivers meetings to go to anymore, right. so it's yeah. a meet and greet now. Okay, right. you got the meet and greet. So, you gotta yeah. go to. so when it's a meet and greet or a meeting. Yeah. So when she shows up in 40 minutes, like you got so that meet and greet. Oh no, yeah. she yeah. said she she goes they got you scheduled for three hours. She goes I'm gonna get over here and if I get hungry I'm gonna go ahead and eat. I'm like I don't think it's gonna be three hours, but if you get hungry by all means get something to eat. She goes I'm definitely drinking though. So are we. Go ahead. We'll be fine. We can Uber home from here. It's not that far. So you have a. Do you have, like, an actual house here, or do you guys just have, like, a townhouse or something? Yeah, I, believe it or not, I, I have, uh, from where we're at, I if you go straight south of here on the mm-hmm. main road here, uh, I've got a condo that I was my first piece of property I bought in North Carolina when I got my first deal in 96 with uh, with Harry Rainier. Okay. Wow. So I still uh-huh. have my condo. Yeah. And, uh, but I have a, I bought Robbie Riser's old shop okay. on the backside yeah. of Lake Norman in Denver. Yeah. And, uh, own the whole building, and, and we, I have an RC car shop. Okay. We make 10 scale electric oh, cool. and gas yeah, rc yeah. cars right. they're, they're competition they're not go run them in the grass and then your driveway yeah, i yeah, mean it's either for a thing they yeah, build yeah. them they take them to the racetrack for the weekend and okay. go race so so that's where our shop for that is and um so the guy that takes care of that actually lives in my condo but i'm i'm off exit 23 down here so uh i haven't been down there much but i mean uh, I, it used to be i spent probably 95 percent of my time 90 to 95 percent of my time in charlotte yeah, well, yeah and this year it's been almost a reversal of that which right. is great yeah, yeah I, I believe that it. yeah yeah do you find yourself in retirement uh, looking for things to do? Not in the sense of I'm sure you've got plenty of activity, but like, you know, it sounds like you're almost obsessive about raising deer in the sense that you're always looking for something that's new and maybe competitive. There's just always, I always, come, here's the thing. I am the king of everybody you know. I'm the king of bad ideas. <laughs> Have you <laughs> met like, anyone? Yeah. I got a great, <laughs> I got, and, I, and, I'll, uh, and a lot of times when I call our management group, I've got two brothers that work for me. They're yeah. absolute geniuses. Um, and another guy that's been with me for this is now 17 years and we all make the decision together okay so if it's the three of us the one brother he's on a side pro he does the side projects but the the one brother the manager and i the three of us we all agree or we don't do it if two people like it and one don't doesn't matter who it is right it it doesn't get done so we have to agree but i always call him say hey i got another really good bad idea for you today (laughs) (laughs) so (coughs) so he 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 knows to he, he knows when i when he gets that quote that uh to sit down and start writing notes down because it's probably going to be something really yeah, stupid. So if if they hit you with a road trip based podcast, <laughs> shut that <laughs> shit down. Yeah. Shut <laughs> that <laughs> shit down right now. <laughs> uh, it seems like you've got that typical. Uh, I say typical because most of the drivers I run around with have the same thing where it's like something becomes interesting and then it's like that I got to do yeah. that full fledged. What's going to be the next thing that you know? Man, I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of like the tattoo I got on my back. It, it's it's going to have to take. It's going to have to go long enough for me to forget how bad it hurt while I was getting done <laughs> before I get my next one. Right. So that's sure. what it'll be like for the next bad idea that okay. I come up with. But What's the tattoo? Uh, it's just actually it was the top of a helmet design, believe it or okay. not. It was oh, something cool. that uh, I I had in my mind, something that was very similar to what I got. And my helmet painter, Nick Pastura, sent my new helmet for the next year. Yeah. And I was like, the, actually, one of the guys at our shop called me and said, have you seen your helmet yet? I'm like, no. He goes, well, when did you talk to Nick about it? I said, what are you talking about? I said, I haven't talked to him about yeah. it. He goes, well, you need to come see this. He goes, your tattoo project just showed up on a helmet. <laughs> oh, that's I'm cool. like, you're that's kidding cool. me. So we took it, and actually Nick redrew it and yeah. made it more detailed. Uh, and I took it to, uh, oh, what's the guy? Corey Miller okay. out in California that's on uh, oh, LA. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That so guy, he's yeah. a really good black black and gray artist. Uh-huh. Nice. And uh, so he did it. And uh I was going actually going to uh, Australia two weeks after I got it done, and he goes, "Listen, he goes at whatever point that you've had enough." He goes, 
just tell me we'll stop. He goes, we'll finish it another date. I'm like, Corey, I said, I'm going to, I'm getting ready to go to Australia. It's summer yeah. over there. There's going to be times I'm going to have my shirt off. I said, I don't walk around, don't want to walk around That's with true. a half-done tattoo. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. I said, Burn just, it down. Yeah. Whatever. I said, we made it this far. Surely Let's I can get finish done. this off. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, six hours later, and I'm but sitting there, and I mean, oh, the, the last 45 minutes were absolute hell. Right. Yeah. And, and he was absolutely right. He goes, there's going to be a point when your body's going to say, listen, I've had enough. Yeah. And I got to that point, and I mean, when you're from southern Indiana, you, you either got to be, if you're going to be stupid and dumb, yeah. you got to be tough. Right, right. So I just went with the old theory, you're going to have to be tough here. Yeah. Tough it out. I made it. <laughs> right, right. So we flew back. We flew back to Vegas, actually, uh, to go to the banquet. Yeah. And this was the weekend before the banquet. Uh, I was racing sprint cars out there at the dirt track. So finished the race, went to California, got my tattoo, flew back to Vegas. Exactly where I laid down on the pillow and the sheet in the morning was an exact print of my tattoo where the ink had oh, bled no out shit. overnight because wow. he didn't saran wrap it. When I got home, he goes, take a shower and he goes, rub this stuff on yeah, your back, yeah, blah, 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 yeah. which Eddie had to rub the stuff on my back because he was out there with us. So nice. <laughs> nothing weirder than how life. Yeah, 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 man right, rubbing stuff right. on your back. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. that's how dedicated he is. So he's yeah. a good guy. So, uh, but when I woke you. up in the morning, the pillow and the sheet it's were like an exact print of, of the tattoo. I did not move the whole night, apparently. It never rolled nice. over or anything. I just laid in one spot. Right. The Shroud of Stewart. Yeah. So somebody somebody cut that and sold it on eBay. I'm yeah, sure yeah, they cut yeah. the sheet out. And they're like, I'm you sure, two can have this. Yeah. I'm sure probably the housekeeping crew was like, well, yeah, this was before the movie Hangover came out. Okay, but I'm yeah, sure yeah. they were like, yeah, somebody got drunk last <laughs> night, got a tattoo. <laughs> right. So, There's a giant cat in the bathroom. I would have yeah. loved to have been drunk when I got that done. So yeah. <laughs> so so you guys, I mean, I assume the competition never goes away, even when you stop driving. Yeah, and the thing with me, I mean, it. it it never stopped, eh, because I didn't stop racing. I've raced right. more this – I ran more races this year than the Cup guys have sure. already. Sure. So um, – and I still got two next weekend and two the following weekend and three in New Zealand at the end of the year. So right. I've got seven races left, and they've got, what, five left to go yeah, yeah, right, the rest right. of the year. We got to get your FIA, FIA license going. <laughs> well, that. and here's the thing. I – I thought I was going to get to do both of them this year. I thought I was going to get to do the Daytona Rolex and, and Le Mans. Oh, um, Wayne what? Taylor oh. Oh, was going to okay. potentially run a second car. Okay. okay. And he was going to have Jeff in the car that they wanted. Yeah, the All Stars. And I was going to run the second car. Yeah. yeah. And uh, then Jan Lammers, who I ran. Uh, he ran the old Crawfords with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the first Randall time I ran the 24 hour, um, I ran with Jan, and, and he, he said then, he goes, I got to get you to Le Mans. He goes, you'll love it. Yeah. And this has been. 12, 14, 15 well, years ago. And, like, and he still, he finally last year goes, hey, if, you, if you're open to it, he goes, I may have an opportunity for you to come over and run the mod. Do you have to run the big car. class, or are you happy to run in like one of the more no, GTM? No, I want to run the big class. Okay. Oh, Next yeah. year's a great year to do nice. it. Here's the thing, though. Yeah. I mean, what people don't realize, that's not the harder class. The harder class is that GT class. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. would agree. <laughs> because yeah. the, the, yeah, yeah. the GT guys, and I, I learned this from Max Pappas, and when he told me, I'm like, it absolutely makes sense of it. But the reason I didn't want to run is because I didn't want to look in my mirror the whole race. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, it's, that's, it's that's hard enough world. to be fast yeah. in a car you're not familiar with and yeah. you don't run every week. Yeah. So being in a faster car, and I, I'm much happier in a car that's got horsepower. Yeah. Uh, that's my background. Yeah. That's I know how to modulate the throttle. The GT guys, it is, I think they have to be more technical than anybody because they have to figure out, A, what, when they got to do, they got to run their best laps, but at the same time, how do you, how do you sit there and let the faster cars go and maximize your yeah, lap and time not lose yeah. any speed, and not in the lose more yeah. more time than you have to doing yeah. it? That's an art to do yeah. that. So the GT guys got my utmost respect for how they do that. Um, I just didn't want the hassle of it. I I was probably one of the first guys to ever take a spotter to the Rolex because 
I'm and now like, everybody has one. Yeah, now yeah everybody's yeah. got them. Yeah. But I took it. I took my one of my bus driver who spotted cup practice for me every weekend. Yeah. And said, "Listen, I, I got enough to keep right. watching." Yeah. You swear when you run the Rolex that there is eight thousand Porsche nine elevens out there. <laughs> <laughs> you swear there's got to be that many. You're like at least th- you're like there's got to be eight hundred of them out there. Right. Right. But the yeah. thing is, you, you remember the car from the t- the you'll be in the same stint and yeah. you've lapped them once you come by the next time to lap them and they've made a driver change in the meantime and yeah. now it's the now it's the club driver yeah it's the dentist that he used dentist yeah yeah you get it yeah yeah you're fine and he and he does something totally different about <laughs> yeah. wipes you both out and it's like holy crap right but it, but Jan was one that uh, and, and Andy Wallace they're like listen you just have to assume that every one of those cars that they don't see you coming yeah, right. yeah. he goes don't assume that they see you yeah he goes they you're used to spotters where somebody's telling them that you're coming. Yeah. These guys don't have that. So. Well, and what's funny is in IMSA, um, sprint races, spotting is kind of hit or miss. Most teams don't have spotters. But the Daytona 24, actually, a lot of NASCAR guys will come over just for that race. So, yeah. like, the couple clients I've got, it's actually very common for them to use proper cup or Xfinity guys to come out just for yeah. that, that thing and do two shows. It's so. just one less variable you got to yeah. worry about. I exactly. mean, it's, you know, the mirrors are in different spots. I mean, you're used to looking at two mirrors out here versus one over your head. Yeah. And, and <clears> like I say, it's, it's hard enough just to hit your marks and yeah. get used to a different car and well, remember everything inside there is different yeah. and get used to that on top of 800 911s that yeah. are out there and everything <laughs> well, else that's going and on. And on the GT side, you got a set of headlights behind you, but you don't know how many headlights are behind them. And yeah, so you get to and, get and you yeah. see headlights and you have no idea. You know, yeah. at certain times of the day, you, you can't tell how close they are. Right. You see the lights, you know somebody's back there, but you don't know how close they are. Uh, right, right. So that's that was the hard part to get used to for me. Right. So. All yeah. right, so can we break that now, you and Jan Lammers, you're running Le Mans? I wish. I'm waiting on him to, when he sent, it was probably, I don't do email very much. So, I mean, he he had to send me a text and says, check your email. (laughs) So I checked my email (laughs) and it was like somebody shot my dog. It's like, I I really thought I was going to get to go. Uh, Oh man, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to get to go with the mom. I'm going to go run the Rolex again. I'm going to go to Monaco and hang out with Gene this year. The F1 race, I'm going to do this, that. And I haven't done anything. I've went, I ran Monaco weekend, I ran the Little 500, which is a 500-lap sprint car race on a quarter-mile track, which was a bucket list item for me. But other than that, I have not done anything but race my dirt sprint car in my spare time. That's awesome. Yeah. It would be awesome if I had won about 15 races this time of year. I've won one 410 race, one 360 race, and one three-quarter midget race. That's what we've won this year. And I'm ready to... Are you about to say, are you just 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) freaking out. What is it about dirt racing that everybody likes? Like, I've never done it. I really want to at some point. So... You've ran 24. Yep. You ran the same line for 24 hours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when you go to a dirt race, you're going to run a different line every time you go on a racetrack. Yeah. The track's going to be quite a bit different every time you go on the track. Right. So, And even in a 30-lap main, the track's going to change a bunch from the beginning of the 30 to, to lap 30 right. at the end. And that's that's what we like about it. I mean, it's you you have to do – there's a whole other element to, to driving these a dirt car than, than what you do on pavement because – you, it might be on the bottom. You know, when you start out the night, most of the time you're in the middle of the racetrack or a third of the way off the bottom. And the natural thing, once that groove gets wore out, is people want to go down. And so the guys that can hit the bottom will go to the bottom. Guys like to rip around the top. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll just keep moving up. Well, that top just keeps getting longer and longer around. Right. The bottom doesn't keep going down at the same rate because guys are having a harder time hitting the bottom. Okay. So, But the guys pounding the top, they're just constantly pushing it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you start the main event, you might be on the top, and the top might get so long or it might get so slick where the lefter needs to drive off the corner. Uh-huh. It, it might get so slick on the drive on the exit that a guy on the bottom now 
even though he had to slow down a bunch, the top gets so far around right. that the guy's thinking he's that he's slow and running a bad lap time, but he keeps it straight or you know hits the bottom and on the exit he's got the left rear and the moisture yeah. and gets a big drive off the corner. So the top might slow down, you get to the bottom and then the next thing you know, now the exit the entry is a little slicker, right. it's, it's got a little tighter to, to get the left sides and the moisture, and you might be losing drive on the exit. Now the top comes back. Right. And, and that's <laughs> the part that's fun about it, is trying to figure it's out as the track's changing, where do you need to be? Uh -huh. And guys that, you know, you'll see guys all night, every time they're not in the car, they're up watching the racetrack and seeing how quick it's changing. Because you're not only planning for the way the track is now, you're planning for what it's going to be, how much is it going to change by the end of the race. Right. And that's, that's what's cool about it. Yeah. And that, you're just... You know, you're you're never running straight through the corner. I mean, you're you're driving yeah. off the right rear all right. the time, no matter what kind of car it is. You're always driving yeah. off the right rear on dirt. Yeah. So your name, your nickname, Mister the Smoke. That that's it, right? We yep. we smoke. we added we'll the smoke because of the you know, smoke. Out, of, out of respect, it's Mister the Smoke. You know, Mister the Smoke. <laughs> yeah, we're we're adults here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Blaine, we told Blaine that he's like, yeah, I like that. That's yeah. cool. Uh, some people think that it's from you doing burnouts after winning races, but I guess no. the actual reasoning is from burning the right rear off, right? Like just yeah. When, when I started in sprint cars, I, I was racing pavement sprint cars yeah. in USAC, and so no wings. Yeah. Uh, the the injector system, what they call a tunnel ram, and it's got instead of four four trumpets sticking out of the mm -hmm. top for the air to go in, it had two massive trumpets about this big, and when you opened the throttle, it was like you were flushing a toilet. Okay. It just <laughs> and it was really hard to get the fuel right in it. But this yeah, yeah. this guy was real adamant about running that system, and I just was not very good at throttle control at the time. I had never, you know, I went basically from uh, three quarter midgets that are 750 cc motorcycle yeah. engines mm -hmm. to all of a sudden a V8. Sort of like the next step from karting. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was a big difference, and and uh, so I just wasn't that good at throttle control when I first started, but. I, I got it in the sprint car and midget deal, and then when I went to IndyCar, people thought th that that was my nickname because we blew up motors almost every right, race right. with Team Menard. I heard yeah. that too. I didn't want to bring it up. Yeah, <laughs> so, that, so people thought that was it, and then and we got down to Charlotte. So it was, uh, but it was it was originally from the sprint yeah, car. And that's not a good nickname for that reason, right? Beca no, because you're no, it's up. not yeah. a flattering nickname. <laughs> yeah, so not for, not for that reason. Yeah, so. right, right. <laughs> Needless to say, I figured it out eventually. Yeah, learned how heard. to take good care heard. of them. Career seemed to go okay. Luckily, <laughs> so with the with the love for dirt, obviously you buy a place like Eldora. Um, how much of the, the the Eldora decision is sort of a business? Because at the time when you bought it, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but Eldora wasn't doing so well. Uh, I was doing okay, but I mean, the, the whole thing that started that day, the, I got a phone call at nine o'clock in the morning, and anybody that knows me knows that I'm I'm one of those that gets up at the crack of noon. Okay, right. Good. So yeah, you and I can hang. When the phone rang at yeah. nine in the morning, I was less than impressed. Sure. First of all. <laughs> But I answered the phone, and it was Earl Baltus. And, okay. he, and he's like, hey, I need you to come talk to me. Well, just coming to go talk to him isn't just drive 15 minutes across town. It's a three-hour drive from Columbus, Indiana to yeah, Rossburg, to, Ohio. Right. Yeah. And that's provided I was even in Indiana that day and not in North Carolina. Yeah. But he, I, I told him, I said, you know, Earl, it's, I said, it'd be three hours before I can get there. He's like, yeah, no problem. I'll be here. Just just come meet us at the house. I'm like, okay. Oh, all right. So drive over and uh, met with him and went over and he showed me his new house he was building, which is on the backside of turn two. And um, it was about halfway done. And then we came back and we literally walked in the front entrance and sat in the top row of the bleachers right above the start finish line. And uh, he goes, hey, my health's not that great. And my doctor says I need to alleviate a bunch of stress out of my life. And, you know, we're, we're going to sell the racetrack and, Bernice and I think you're the right person to buy it. We, hmm. we want to know if you're interested. 
Uh, so, uh, like, we, yeah, I mean, I'd definitely be interested. So, uh, Kerry Agajanian yeah. it was managing me at the time, and, and uh, before I even got out of the parking lot, I called him. And so by this time, it's 1 o'clock, which is now 10 o'clock L.A. time. So he's freaking out because he's like, something's got to be wrong for you to be calling me Why this early in the day. Why are you away? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, well, you're not going to believe, A, where I'm at, and B, why I'm here. Right. And he goes, okay, <laughs> which it was kind of like my bad ideas thing. My good bad ideas, uh, he has the same answer when I had to tell him something like that. I said, I just left Eldora. I said, Earl Baltus called me this morning and said I had to come meet with him. And he says his health's not that great and that needs to take some stress off his life. And said him and Bernice think I'd be the right person to take Eldora over. He goes, you're kidding me. And I said, no. I said, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm asleep in bed in Columbus and don't realize that I'm having one hell of a dream, but it sure seemed real to me. Right. So, uh, so a week later, Carrie actually flew from L.A. over and we, we both went back to Eldora and met with uh, Earl and Bernice and, mm-hmm. and started working on doing the due diligence and went from there. And yeah. next thing you know, about three months later, I owned a racetrack. I don't need a number, but do they give you like the sweetheart deal because they know you're going to take care of it? Or is it like, it's just I will say this. There were, there were uh, two other groups that wanted to buy the racetrack yeah. and both of their offers were more than what I paid for it. So I, I don't know. I don't know if you want to call it the sweetheart deal or if they just, but I thought you understood it. They, 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 they were pretty adamant they wanted me they to had take an idea. Right. Yeah. That's good. And where, how would you balance that between saying a business decision where you did your due diligence and said, okay, this is something I can turn even more profitable versus that sort of nostalgic love of this is this is your track, you know? And My first thing was, holy crap, I, I could be the owner of Eldora Speedway. Right, yeah, that's right. what I figured. I didn't yeah, think yeah. Two, two, yeah. twice about the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hot dogs and concession stands <laughs> and light bills and yeah, yeah, yeah. tractors and graders and diesel fuel and septic systems, which was the $400,000 septic project was the first thing I had to do nice. when I bought the racetrack. Okay. Right. So that's pretty glamorous when you buy a racetrack. That was the first thing was a sewage project. Nice. So, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, obviously at that time, I mean, you, we, we pretty much had a good system in place of, hey, if we're going to do something, the three of us are going to agree on it. And, uh, you know, Kerry was the fourth in that. And Kerry said, hey, this this Makes is sense. yeah, this yeah. is a good thing. And, you know, once the other two looked at it, they said, yeah, this, this does make sense for us to do this. So okay. it's, it's, been, it's been a great project for us, one that I definitely love. So we've we've seen the video footage and the and the Twitter shots of you driving the tractor around and keeping the track smooth or, or, or whatever it is. Got the quad. Got the quad out. Doing it. Is is that real or is that just the cameras are on and we need to see that you're working, man? Well, I got I I can get on my cell phone and show you what I was doing at five o'clock in the morning the night after the King's Royal was over. We got a new grader and nice. I've not two things I'd never ran. I mean, I've owned Eldora over ten years now. And two things you never saw me on were the grader or the water truck. <laughs> and this year I did both did finally. Yeah. Right. Um, but the greater, I mean, that's one thing that, especially on a half-mile track that's high speed, the faster the speed, if you get an irregularity in the track and yeah. get a bump in it, it's bumps create even more bumps. And it's going to grow, it. yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, and it's a big drama. So mm-hmm. uh, actually had the guy that takes care of it at 2.30. He went out there with me. And, nice. And uh, he was I'd driven one at Chili Bowl, actually. They'd got a new one. The, the old ones had about 10 levers and a steering wheel. Right. It's like, I only got two hands and two feet. I can't do, and I couldn't remember what lever did what, <laughs> yeah, and this yeah. and that. I'm like, man, this is a yeah, disaster. Yeah. Like a Zamboni. <laughs> that, and it was after the A-Main, and we had worked all week, six straight so days in a row, tired, and yeah. I'd had about six adult beverages in Good. me. And nice. After I got done with the front stretch, it looked like the rhythm section of an AMA track. 
<laughs> I said, all right, that's even more reason you'll never see me at Eldora on a grader. <laughs> so this this year they had had a newer grader, and it's done by two joysticks. You do everything with two joysticks. Right. I'm like, hey, what a coincidence! Two joysticks, two hands. I can do this. Right. And I learned how to run that. And I actually cup holder did a. F oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Just making sure. Yeah. It's hard though. <laughs> you got to stop to get something to drink. You just got to just stop where you're at. Right. But um, I, I tried. And I'm like, man, I like this kind of grader a lot better. So we actually bought one, and and uh, I said that's my project and. What we had planned on doing was actually just the, the, the roads in the parking lot, just starting there and working yeah. that. But we had so many people that were staying over from the, the King's Royal through the truck race yeah. three days later that I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm just going to – what do you think about me just cutting the top off of it? And, and when I say cutting the top, I mean literally cutting a quarter inch. Oh, at okay. the most, yeah, off right. the top of an eighth to a quarter inch. All you're doing is just trying to take the top surface just that sort of black Not off. being a dirt guy, it's just sort of the collective build of everything. And just kind well, of it, does it's rubber where up, right? it, it actually just polishes off, and, okay. and then it kind of it gets black. Yeah, 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 So all you're trying to do is just cut the crust off the top, because everything underneath it still got a lot they of moisture in it. Packed in, and, and, yeah. and it is a little softer, but okay. that top gets hard. It's kind of the hard pan, you call it, and, yeah. and you're just trying to cut that black off the top of it to where you can start working it really and doing everything you got to do. So Do they dread when you show up? No, they're not. Like, God no, damn no. it, he's gonna have ideas again. You're right, well, yeah. the thing is, I'm like a, I'm like a Nazi. I mean, I, I'm like Hitler when I get there, especially when it comes to the track prep stuff. I wanna, I, I am just, I keep after him, keep yeah. after him, keep after him. Yeah. And it's stuff that I've, you know, obviously when I started helping out with Chili Bowl, we yeah. learned a lot there. We've raced a gazillion dirt tracks across the country, and so we've kind of learned some things over the years. Yeah. What it kind of like new homeowners what is the bill you didn't think you'd ever be riding that just never goes away like you mentioned the septic system like what's the biggest thing of owning a dirt track that, that no one would expect well it, it never stops that's the thing i mean yeah. there every pro i mean we we went from we bought a new scoreboard um then we went from a scoreboard we added a video board beside the scoreboard now we bought another video board that's three times bigger than the original one don't even have the scoreboard anymore because now the scoreboard is actually in the video screen. Okay, yeah. It's all integrated into it. Right. Um, you know, that's a perfect example. I mean, adding suites to Eldora, uh, sewage system that I had to do right off the bat. I mean, it's just, it's always something. It, it's constantly evolving. Road grader, bought a new road grader this year, bought a new, uh, smaller, newer water truck to go with the bigger trucks that we have. It's it's just constantly, yeah. you're constantly upgrading equipment. You're, right. You're, you're always investing it back in you don't have to answer this but is it profitable yeah if you do it right yeah and not all racetracks are, are, are profitable like that i mean yeah. i i'm very fortunate that i bought one of the premier dirt tracks in the country yeah but it is profitable um it's profitable because i have a guy from harvard business school that watches the dollars. <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah. right 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 and you know we have roger slack that used to work here for humpy wheeler yeah, over yeah. charlotte motor yeah, speedway yeah. he's he's our um promoter there and so roger knows how to watch for that stuff um you know, obviously having guys from Harvard Business School, that, that's good on the business side as well. But, yeah. you know, we, we sit there every year and about this time of year, we sit there and start updating the wish list of projects Things that we want to do. do. And, yeah. First category is what is it? The yeah. second category is how much does it cost? Yep. Which is the one that I get a little more uptight about and the Harvard guy gets a little more uptight <laughs> about. Yeah. And the third ca the third row is how long is it going to take from start, yeah, start yeah, date yeah. to end it, yeah. finish date. So. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, it, we just make a wish list, and then we we try to do something. We try to do something for the spectators. We try to do something for the competitors and the car owners every year. Yeah. So if it's more concrete in the pit area where the teams aren't getting their trucks stuck in the mud, that's for the teams. Yeah. You know, whether it's caution lights or new Musco lighting or whatever, you know, that's for yeah. the drivers. And then yeah. the video boards, you know, the. W 
we, we've had very good compliments that our, our, our women's restrooms at Eldora are really nice for a short track. That's actually a track. So very handy. That's something that well, that's yeah. just keeping every guy that's trying to get out there a lot easier for him. Yeah, like, but that's I don't want to go. The bathrooms are great. Here, no? here was one yeah. thing that I didn't even think about. The uh, the girl I was dating at the time, she went. I said, you know, hey, let's go. Let's go look at all this stuff. I said, go in there, make sure nobody's in there, because I want to go in there and look at this. And and so it was just her and I. And, and I, she goes, you need hooks. I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, you need hooks. Like on the back of the door? On the back yeah. of the door. Yeah, so yeah. you can hang your jacket, your purse, your purse whatever, all yeah. that stuff. Mm -hmm. She goes, I don't want to lay my purse on the, on the concrete floor that's got dirt dirt on it. Yeah. You know? it's, hard, it's impossible to keep the floors clean. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but it's so a bathroom floor. You don't want to so put anything got, on it. Yeah, 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 so it's got light, nice light fixtures in there. Not over the top, but for a dirt track, nice light fixtures. Right. Hooks on the back of the doors. Nice. All, just simple things like that mm -hmm. that I never would have thought of that. Right. But Cup holders? I don't know about cup holders. Okay, just think, I don't, just I don't think, think we put cup yeah. holders in there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we did that. Maybe well, that's something I need to look well, into. Well, but also giving you a bathroom is good turnover. What's that? You need good turnover in a bathroom. That's right. Yeah, so I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to camp out. Yeah, there, exactly. So it's a good point. I like the way you're thinking there. I want them to finish their drink. Go to the restroom and then go back and get, get another, another drink. Right. See, there you yeah. go. I just made you yeah. eight dollars. Yeah, I appreciate that. So yeah. shorter You're cups. <laughs> We're just trying to no, we don't here. skimp on the cups. Right. We yeah, don't yeah. skimp on that. that. And that's something that that's a big deal. We we've never jacked the prices up. That, at the that's stand. cool. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. You yeah. can people can bring their families and eat cheaper there than they can going to fast food. Yeah. And getting fast food on the way that's to the racetrack, crazy. and people love it. Yeah. So yeah. That's what, even the NASCAR teams when they go there, like we cannot believe the prices of the concession stand. Right. They're like. We, we we feed the whole team off of it yeah. versus normally you get food and bring it in. Yeah. That, like, we don't need to. We can get food cheaper here than yeah. we could if we went out to get it and brought it back. Yeah. Is so. there a staple Eldora menu item? Like, obviously, Martinsville is known for the hot dog. What's the Eldora thing? We got a pizza burger. Oh, <laughs> It's a sausage with How with far cheese is uh, Eldora from here? Yeah. From here? Yeah. Uh, I haven't driven it. It's it's about an hour and fifteen minute flight though. Yeah, yeah we got to get that pizza. Fly, burger. We're doing that. We yeah, it's a pretty big deal. All right. yeah. We have a signature drink. We have a bar actually at, okay. at the track You're too. Damn right you do. Yeah. yeah, that's good business right there. Well, you can't always do that though. But With luckily, it had a it had a liquor license already, okay. nice. and it had always had a bar since I can never remember going yeah. there. But we have a drink called uh, they call it toilet water, <laughs> and it yes. is a brown. It's a brown drink. It is good. a. Uh, it has like five or six different schnapps in it, and when they when they pour it in there at first, it looks like a rainbow. Yeah. And then the guy takes a straw and stirs it, and, and it turns like, brown. Let's make it uglier. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. the topper on it is a small one-inch Tootsie Roll, and they put that in the top of it. <laughs> oh, it's toilet water. <laughs> like, legit. And, and, I mean, they sell like crazy. That's the signature drink at Eldora Speedway. That's People awesome. love it. So they come for the pizza burger and the toilet water. Yeah. That's got me written all over it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One leads to the other. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, so where, where did the idea for the truck race come from? Was that you guys or did that come from NASCAR? I made a comment that, you know, Roger had started working with us, and uh, but I had made the comment. I'm like, you know, because we, we ran, I ran the ARCA race uh, at uh, DeCoin a couple years in a row. And I'm like, you know, we could run the, you can run these cars on dirt. And I was joking around with a bunch of guys when we were doing, uh, we, we had the Chicago, I guess, media getting ready for the chase. And, and I said, hey, we could, you know, we can do this. We could run dirt cars on, at Eldora, you know. We, we could bring them here. Well, finally, somebody from NASCAR about two years later said, were you serious about that? I'm like, I called Roger. I said, hey, am I serious? Can, I, can we actually do this? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hell yeah, we can do this. So, and I was like, yeah. yeah. So they, they flew up. They looked at things. Um, there were about three things improvement-wise that we needed to do with the inside walls. But, you know, our, our place, we got inside walls, outside walls. We got things that a lot of the dirt tracks don't have. Yeah. 
um, and and it was actually practical that we could actually do that. So, coming, I don't I don't know about your like family's background, and and what I mean is like financially. Like, did you come from a wealthier family that was able to help you get no, going racing? I wish I had Joey Logano's dad as my dad growing uh, up. Okay, so I, we we barely got by. I mean, we we raced go karts. Uh, I guess for 10 years and uh, there was one summer that we actually quit and it was we were I think I, I just turned 16 and I was racing the adult the junior classes it wasn't such a big deal but this was WK uh, it's actually a road course series that was in Indiana at the time okay and I was running WK as well right, but yeah. we uh, we got to where we couldn't afford to buy a new set of tires each race yeah so we were buying tires that guys had ran the previous race on well they were a tenth and a half slower yeah and a tenth right. and a half and that deal was yeah, huge. yeah. yeah. and we had one. We had one one day that had a pinhole in the right rear, and this this was a track that was kind of a weird layout. It was like a three corner, three left hand corner deal in a park. It really wasn't much of a street race, but we uh, the right rear was the one that we kept having the problem with. Yeah. And so my dad kept just he put about three pounds over of air in it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And just to bleed it out. It cut, knowing it was going to bleed. So it's going to bleed yeah, down. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And sure enough, it got down low enough that it you know by that part of the day, the third heat that. It, uh, there was enough rubber on the track that it actually pulled it off the bead. And I oh, wow. went through the hay bales and backed yep. into a tree, yeah, and yeah. I was like, yeah, that's no good. Yeah. And I, I said, we're done. I'm yeah. not, if we got to do it like this, we don't, we're not going to do it at all because right. we can run better than this. I mean, we could, we could race and win with the guys we were racing with at the time. We just couldn't afford. I mean, literally a, a set of tires then was $140. We couldn't afford a $140 yeah. set of tires yeah. to go yeah, race yeah. on. Exactly. So we, we just we took the rest of the summer off. And, uh, and your dad was in medical supply sales, is that right? Yeah. You guys know more about my family than I thought you did. Yeah, we did. We did a hard. We just looked research. dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I, you, you said it. You, yeah. You're you're successful at it too. <laughs> so, uh, so when WKA Championship, you end up doing like quarter midgets and, and some USAC stuff. Apparently, Mark Dismore played a role in that. Yeah, my whole go kart career um, basically was around Mark and his father. Yeah. And which was cool too because. When I got my first opportunity to run a full-size midget, uh, it was a car that he had owned that I had went to Florida and worked with him when I was a lot younger and still racing the go-karts. He sold it to a family in Greenfield, Indiana, and uh, the kid, uh, their company was a above-ground water towers. They did maintenance on above-ground water towers, and I guess the sun was coming down for lunch and got sliding down the rope too fast, and his hands got hot, and he held on as long as he could, and then finally had to let go of the rope. Well, when he landed, it yeah. shattered his ankles. And so uh, Mark said, hey, I got a kid that I think you might want to look at to put in it, and that's how I got my first full midget ride and won a couple races at Speedrome, and was we were rookies at the same time with Kenny Irwin Jr. Cool. So uh, raced with him at Speedrome that first year, and uh, you know, that's kind of how it started, but Mark was a big part of it, and then you know, kind of made full circle. We we were teammates at Team Menard and the, when the IRL was around, too. Yeah. And Dismore's still f doing it in carts. Like, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. I was at an event it's in Newcastle. Got a great, great place at Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, Newcastle, yeah. yeah. Um, but he was still racing, like, 16-year-olds and still just as competitive. It was, it was pretty impressive. If that kid doesn't – if that kid wears gloves that day. He had gloves on. He had gloves on. Okay. But that, it, it just – when you're going down that – If that, that kid but, goes oh, a yeah, little bit knows. slower getting yeah. down there. Like, isn't that crazy to think about? Yeah. Like, that could have been a one yeah. little defining moment where you just didn't feel good and didn't go to work that day or something? Yeah. That's incredible. So what kind of jobs were you doing then at, at 15, 16 to, to make this work? Oh. Well, I, I would mowed a lot of yards in the neighborhood. Yeah. I had – my sister and I split the newspaper route okay. so she could make some money. Um, but that's what I did before I actually got a driver's license and then 
Oddly enough, I worked at McDonald's two years. Oh, no shit. And this okay. was even, the second year was actually after I graduated high school because I, I knew them. I'd, I worked a couple odds and end jobs. I worked yeah. at a car wash. Yeah. Um, How, like a place like McDonald's, which is, I mean, I've never worked that specific place, but like that's about certain shifts and it's hard to get like these three or four days off to go but do that's that. that's what worked out. That's why oh, it really? worked out for us because okay. they knew what I was wanting to do okay, and so what I was trying to do. Mm -hmm. And they knew I was trying to get to 40 hours a week and they were good about me doing that. So there was actually one day that... Uh, by the time I quit working there, I had done everything but a manager's job. Yeah. And there were a lot of times that I could actually cover for a manager if a manager didn't uh, come in. Okay. Yeah. Um, but there was one day that, you know, I was working day maintenance at the time. And so my, I started work at 4 in the morning and worked 4 to noon. Uh, and right. somebody that was supposed to work the lunch, the lunch to 3 shift called in sick. So I worked 12 to 3. Then one of the school kids called in sick. Like, didn't come right. in. So, so I worked 3 to 6. Yeah. Then had somebody from 6 to 9 that was supposed to work that called in. And then somebody that was night maintenance that, that got sick and couldn't come in. Right. And I stayed. And I worked 22 hours straight that day. So, I mean, huh. it's, but I, but they were really good about letting me get my hours and moving yeah. around. If I, you know, especially at that time, I was racing three-quarter midgets. And right. the fair season, we raced 11 races in 18 days. Jesus. So, they really worked around my schedule. And, you know, I still yeah. got the work done that I needed to get done. Right. But the extra stuff to get to 40 hours they uh they were really accommodating and let me work longer on the days that i could work that. and you know shorter days on the the days that i needed to go race yeah so you're six how old at that point six yeah i was 18 then yeah so you're 18 year old 18 years old working at mcdonald's are you the kid that the manager's like yeah yeah Stuart, we get it you're gonna be a nascar driver make the fries or are you the guy that they're like hey, he's a hard working kid doesn't say a whole lot well, no, I never. They never said I didn't say anything. Um, <laughs> but at Some that time, I mean, I, you know, I, like I said, I'd worked there a year before, and before I graduated, and at that time I was racing go karts, and they they would always ask after the weekends how yeah. I did. Yeah. Um, when I went back that year, uh, you know, the, the in Columbus, the Bartholomew County Fair, they came and watched the three quarter midget race. Yeah, and right. I think I actually won that night, and came back. So they they got it. They yeah, understood yeah, what I was doing. Really why I was doing yeah, it. Yeah. Right. Um, understood my passion for it and everything so yeah. they were they were really cool about it but you know they, they didn't i didn't get any special treatment by any means i mean <laughs> i sure. still to do my job but you know like i said the the part where they were real accommodating was helping me get the hours i needed to get in right. to, to make it to justify working there is that mcdonald's still there yeah it's they they tore it down and redid it yeah. and made it modern but it's still in the same location. are you gonna buy that one i was gonna say franchise opportunity actually i uh, you're laughing about it while we're saying this but i actually did look at it because yeah I told him, I said, what better success story than somebody that actually worked in this store yeah, buying to, it out. Yeah, to yeah. buy it eventually. Yeah. And, you know, obviously with who we were, I mean, McDonald's was a sponsor for a while. Yeah. And uh, I went, corporate McDonald's actually bought that store away from the guy that I worked for. Oh, interesting. And uh, so I tried, when we did our personal service deal with them years ago while I was in NASCAR, I, I said, hey, you know, instead of paying me whatever you're going to pay me, right. w would you let me take that money and invest it in that store and be a partial owner with you guys? And they wanted nothing to it's do not with interesting. it. Interesting. It's really? like, wow, this huh. just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. So that's the ultimate success story. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and absolutely. And it's like, you know, they have a they have Burger College that you have to go to to right. be a manager yeah, right. and an owner and all yeah, that. Yeah. And I said, how I'll go I'll go through Burger College the whole deal and learn everything I need yeah. to learn. I said, and you know, if I'm home and I got a day off and bored, I'll go in and I'll go work. Yeah. You know, just to make it make sense to people. Yeah. And right. People go, yeah, Tony Stewart was actually in the store and helping right. out. And, I just thought it just made perfect sense to me. I thought, well, what better There's story? There's got to be a PR guy at McDonald's that's like, do this, this is the thing. Do I this. don't know that I ever got to the PR guy, but it, yeah. it's yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you know, since then, I mean, uh, 
I, I've still checked since now right. it's, now the store the whole store is for sale, and I was like, hey, I'm still here. <laughs> but they they want people that are actually going to be in there working so many hours a week. It's like, yeah, I, I, wait to be I a franchise to be an owner to be an owner. Yeah, huh? It didn't used to be that way because the guy I worked for had uh, the guy I worked for had four stores. Yeah, and uh, but they want guy they want people that if they're going to be a new owner operator, they they want you in there working it. Okay, I kind of get that, but at the same time, it's like, hey, it's Tony Stewart. People are going to come here for yeah, that. Well, sometimes you can't fix stupid, so it was somebody that was stuck to something that was written down on a piece of right, paper. That right. was no, it says that right had a great here. Intention. It says right here, I can't. Yeah, yeah. but it's like <laughs> we, we could figure this out. And It's funny because when I talked about doing it, I talked to some of the managers that I work for, and they're like, they don't even work there anymore. Yeah. And they're like, listen, if you, if you get it, all of them agreed to come back. No way. The That's group of them said, cool. we'll come back and run it for you. Yeah. They just they had problems with the guy that owned it, and they all yeah. went their different directions. But they said, listen, if you buy it, we'll come work for you. Right. We'll come run the store. So we had it all lined up, and corporate McDonald's blew that out of the water. That is incredible. That you had a personal services contract with the company yeah. to be a I didn't want to dime. I didn't want to take a dollar. <laughs> right. I said, whatever you're going to pay me, just let me buy that much percentage. of Whatever the percentage yeah. is, I don't care if it's right. 1%, if it's 30%, whatever it is. Huh. I don't care. Just whatever it is, put it in the store and... And it's a huge marketing opportunity saying, hey, here's a guy that worked here, and he worked here so he could do what he's doing now. Yeah. And now he's come back and right. bought the same and story. And also he's a uh, racing celebrity, so people are going to want to come there because of that and sell yeah. more hamburgers. Just throwing it out there. Awesome. <laughs> Missed opportunity is what we call that. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. like my dating life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, on that same kind of regard, as a, a Indiana boy, your first 500, you go and you lead like 60-something laps or whatever. 44. Damn. Still right. a lot of laps. So your first 500 as an Indian. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. <though>. Yeah. But <laughs> we no, had these. <laughs> um, the, how, how proud was your dad at that point? Oh. You know what I mean? That's got to be it. Like, you know, obviously winning it would be the ideal, but like getting in the race is a big deal. The cool thing yeah. is my dad, you know, when I when I moved up to three-quarter midgets and full midgets, I mean, he, he was a part of the whole go-kart thing with me. And then the a guy that I drove for – Got me off the side at the end of the one season. I started about halfway through the year with him, and at the end of the year, he goes, "Hey, we got to talk about your dad." I'm like, "Okay." He goes, "Kind of a distraction." I'm like, "Well, what do you mean?" He goes, "He, he goes, he, he's pretty hard on you." Well, I didn't know any different because he was always hard on dad. me as a kid. I mean, yeah. my dad. But what I realized later in life it was he was a little harder than most on me. But that's okay. I'm I'm good with that. But um, you know, he just he thought it was going to be would be a lot better if my dad sat in the stands. And when I made that phone call and told my dad that the car owner wanted him to sit in the stands and not come into pits, my dad wouldn't even come to the races anymore. Oh, man. So it took a while before yeah. that finally started yeah. coming around. And when I finally got into full midgets and sprint cars, he he re still respected that and realized maybe he was a little harder than he should have been okay. and kind of let me do it on my own. But he would come to the races and this and that. And and uh, But my rookie year at Indy, it was funny because my dad for three or four years before that would work the month of May. Uh, out at the speedway for Valvoline at the time. Okay. And they did all the fuel and everything. Mm -hmm. So um, so he was out there every day. And the year before I got my opportunity, I worked for A.J. Foyt that year on Eddie Cheever's car. I was supposed to run the, hold the dead man valve. Right. Yeah. The, okay. yeah, yeah. To, we don't, you know, we've so done people that, that are yeah. listening know yeah, what yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah. It's, it's a valve that, so if there's a fire or something, I let go of the valve and it's got and run the, the other spring way. and it shuts the valve yeah. off. There's no more fuel that can come right. out and that way it doesn't keep making the fire bigger. Right. So my that was the year that, that uh, Stan Fox and Cheever crashed yeah. right yeah. off of turn one yeah. on the opening lap. No. So yeah. I'd ran the night before the 500 at, at uh, ORP yeah. uh, and got home at like 1 in the morning and then had to be up at 4 in the morning to go out there. So yeah. my race, I got three hours of sleep, and, and my uh, my race lasted about 10 seconds. Right. Oh, okay. right. So I was there I was there about 
four or five hours yeah. or six hours for the start of the race for, yeah. for 10 seconds. Yeah. yeah. So that was your experience. But my dad was there, and, and then the next year, you know, my dad was still working for that company, and so he was there every day. I mean, yeah. he got to be there firsthand and see everything that was going on every second I was on, yeah. on the racetrack right. there. And, um, I mean, he was he was pretty proud. He was a proud papa then. Yeah. So good, cool. you go out. Yeah, I've had a good practice. You run out, you get yourself on the front row. Um, circumstances eventually put you on pole. Uh, when you when you set the the time that you're in the front row, so in other words, you're you're in the show. You're not worried about getting oh, yeah, we're or definitely like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what was that? What was that satisfaction like? Well, it, it was really cool. Cause the, the whole my whole first year there was really cool. I mean, the, the the first thing that you do obviously is you take rookie orientation, right? And so. The 500 was actually the third IRL race yep. ever. Yeah. So we had Walt Disney World, Phoenix, yep. and then then Indy. And so Buzz Calkins wins the first one. Um, I think Lion Dyke won Phoenix. Right. Um, and then we go to Indy. So we got to take Ricky orientation, and Buzz and I are talking about it, and kind of nervous because we just don't know what to expect. We yeah. don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so you do your you do your four phases, and we actually tried to do. We tried to do it in two runs. So Larry Curry is a competition director, and, and uh, you know, we had tested about three or four times before we went for the month of May. And so we had a game plan that we were going to put enough fuel in to run 22 laps, essentially. So the out lap and then the first 10 laps, which was the first phase, and okay. immediately and go to the second phase and then the end lap. Just so knock it all 22 out. 22 laps yeah. and try to do that twice. And, and try to done. set a record for doing it in the least amount of laps. Because by this point, you'd already done enough testing. You were fine in the car. Yeah, we had yeah, speed yeah. and all yeah, that. Yeah, you were set. So Rookie yeah. orientation was the hardest part of the whole month. And that's because of the speeds relative to the downforce. Yeah, we're running yeah. 230 miles an hour yeah, yeah, yeah. at speed. Now they want you to run, I think yeah. it was 190 to 195 right. was the first bracket, then 195 to 200, 200 to is 205. That, is that literally just going that slow? Because they say that at the, the downforce levels at that speed is actually makes the car sketchier. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't It wasn't fun to drive them yeah. at that speed. Yeah. You would think, well, it's slower, it's easier. It, it wasn't. Right. Then on top of that, I mean, you're trying to modulate a throttle to run in a five-mile-an-hour yeah, bracket. Yeah. So on our Pi Dash, they instead of having RPM, this and that, they actually changed it around to where I had instant mile an hour on there. That makes sense. So, yeah. And I had the average speed when okay. we would cross the line. But I knew what bracket I needed to be, you know, what time bracket yeah. as well. So we had time, we had the actual speed, and the whole deal. And uh, But that was the hard, the first phase was the hardest phase because sure. that's the slowest so slow. of the deal. Yeah. Every, every phase after that was a little little better. But So we go, we go out, we run first phase, clear that, and literally after I cross the start finish line as soon as he gets the time on that 10th lap and says passed immediately i'm picking the, i'm picking up the pace after i yeah. take the line yeah. to get up to the next speed bracket yeah. and we kind of had it figured out how much faster i had to go to this point of the track and blah 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 so we ran literally 22 laps with a out lap and an in lap 20 laps of the first two phases i'm like man this is awesome it's gonna be cool set a record yeah. like that Probably nobody's going to try to go out there and run 30 laps to break it, you know, the first three phases or something. So uh, I, we go out, we run the third phase, and I think we're going to do the same thing. And I run, I do my 10 laps, and he goes, bring it to us. I'm like, gosh, oh, you know, try to figure out what lap I broke out yeah, at. Yeah, to do, try right? Try to figure out. I, I'm like, I don't think I did, but I can't understand where I broke out because I didn't see it. Right. And uh, so I came in, I said, which one was it? He goes, what are you talking about? He goes, which, which lap did I screw up? He goes, no, you're fine, you passed. He goes, I just want to do something. <laughs> so, <laughs> which knowing now, if I'd have known then what I know now, I would have been a little more nervous about it. But um, so for Ricky orientation, they don't put a pop-off valve on your car because you're not going out to try uh, to run. Copy. You're okay. not trying to go out and 
bust a lap off. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're just going out to run. Right. So you just put the plate on top of it and they bolt the plate down. Yeah. Right. So he reaches down where the boost knob is and, you know, it, it just indexes down. So he pulls it up and unindexes it and he turns it two full rounds and then locks it back down. And I went, <laughs> look uh -oh. up at him out of the car. Uh -oh. like, Hey, what? Really? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are we getting ready to do here? Yeah, yeah. He goes, he taps me on the helmet. And I kid you not, he taps me on the helmet. He goes, go have fun. Okay. Right. And I mean, it's perfect conditions. I mean, we had a three-mile-an-hour tailwind down the back stretch, yeah, right. but it was overcast. It was really cool. Yeah. I mean, perfect day to go nut up and just go rifle out. one off. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't remember what lap it was, but I ran a lap at 237. Oh, <laughs> <point> <laughs> one. that. So I finished the finished the... <laughs> The 10 laps and come in, I'm like, man, that was badass because the short shoots weren't even a short shoot anymore. Yeah, I yeah, mean, right. Before I could actually get my hand unwound all the way, I was turning back again. Yeah. yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. And, it, and that was a deal, like like you mentioned, the slower it is, the worse they felt. The faster I went, the better the car felt. Yeah, awesome. I mean, you could just feel it yeah. grunt, you know, grunting yeah. down in the racetrack. You could feel the tires just getting that much more grip. It was like, man, I, I want to go 250. I mean, you don't want right, to see yeah, how right. fast this thing yeah, can yeah, yeah. go. It just felt like the faster you went, the better it was going to keep going. Right. Yeah. And but I remember coming down pit road and coming to the pit stall, and there's eight USAC officials <laughs> standing around Larry Curry, and the one guy is the guy that runs the whole thing, and he's got his finger tapping him on the chest, and I'm positive it's like, what the hell are you trying to do? You yeah, know? right. And I'm happy. I'm like, all right, well, surely to God, I just passed my deal, you know? Yeah. yeah. So eight USAC guys are pissed. Yeah. And I get out of the car, and so after you finish your fourth phase, you go uh, to what's now the media center. Okay. And you go in there, and there's four veterans that when you take your final phase, there's one in each corner that watches you. They meet, and then they come in there. They tell you yeah. what you did wrong, this and that. Sure. Yeah, right. Then they ultimately tell you if you passed or not. Okay. If Who you don't pass, you go out and you rerun until they tell you they're comfortable with you going. Right. Who were they? Do you know? Uh, I've got the list at home. Yeah. Um, Scott Brayton, which was one of my teammates, oh. I, I'm fairly certain was yeah. one of them. Yeah. Johnny Rutherford was one. Um, I can't remember. I've got it at home. You're right. Sure. But... I remember Buzz Calkins had finished his before I finished mine or before I got back there. And Buzz was in there at the time, and I'm sitting at the door, and I'm leaning up there. there people are laughing at me because I'm leaning up the door because I want to hear how bad this could be yeah, right. yeah, yeah, when yeah. I walk in there because here we've just got our ass ripped. I'm yeah. sure yeah. I'm going to go get my ass ripped by these four guys yeah, thinking yeah. that I'm trying to do something stupid because yeah. I just broke the track record. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. And not by a little. I broke the track yeah, record yeah, by yeah. like three mile an hour at the time. So <laughs> right. these guys are going to go like, listen, asshole, yeah, yeah. You're, you're a rookie. You don't need to be pulling that <laughs> Right. <laughs> so so I'm listening to Buzz and, and I'm and I just cracked the door open just to where I can see in there with one eye and can hear yeah. and they can't see me. And I'm listening to them and they're like, you know, you need to watch this, you know, the entry this way and you know, try doing this and do that. Work on that, but we're gonna go ahead and pass you. I'm like, Oh shit man, this is gonna be terrible. I'm gonna get in here. They're gonna knowing yeah, these guys, they're gonna nut up and they're one. gonna make me run rerun yeah. the whole right. thing just start from the scratch. Yeah. 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 And so Buzz walks out holds the door for me and I hold it and I'm saying hey good job man I'm glad you got through there good job you know pretty cool we get to finally do this now and through this part of it I said well glad you are <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I mean, I'm happy for you to, you know tell you I'm glad he got through and all that I walk in before the door even had time to, to shut one of them goes get the F out of here <laughs> you're past <laughs> that was my debrief it lasted yeah, like awesome. three seconds yeah, yeah. I'm like are you shitting me yeah, yeah. so I turned around walked out the door Hawkins looks at me. He's like, what happened? I said, yeah, they just passed me. <laughs> and he's, he's been in there for like 10 minutes. They've been talking right. to him and grilling him about every every little thing he did wrong, you know. 
<laughs> and he's doing media, and the media stopped. I mean, literally stopped talking to him. Yeah, yeah. And to talk to me because they well, saw just that broke the track record. Yeah, yeah, they saw you know, that. Yeah, 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 they saw three seconds. I was in there and turned around, and they yeah. just passed me. And yeah, so I, <laughs> Buzz wasn't real impressed with that part. But, <laughs> right, sure. But it was pretty funny. I so I, needless to say, the the stress level of yeah of of Indy went way down thanks Once to those four to guys. Sure. Yeah. Um, and that really helped set the tone for my month that year. And yeah. We had speed the entire month. I mean, we we were typically pretty much the whole month it was either Lion Dyke or I. That well, that well no, out. I think that's the, that was the second year. I'm sorry. That year, I mean, we, I think we were pretty much on the board, top Probably of the board almost yeah. the whole month. Yeah. yeah, that was the crazy with Lion Dyke would occasionally and as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and, and but our cars were always at the top of the board up there. And then you go out for qualifying, uh, and. and that, that's the, that's 10 miles. I mean, you got two warm-up laps and four time laps. That's yeah. 10 miles of running. Or the, your, your run's actually 10, your qualifying run's 10 miles. But you got two warm-up laps to get to it. It's the longest 10 miles of your life. Because yeah. you're, you're sitting there, by this time, you, you've trimmed out. I mean, it, and it's not, it wasn't near sketchy trimmed out like they are now that yeah. these guys are doing. But enough that it's like, man, it's, you don't feel near as comfortable as you did. And, but you, go, you only got to do it. You only got to make 16 corners, bud. 16. Come on, man. We can do 30 lap sprint car races sliding sideways, yeah. staying on our hands. Oh, you know? good. Yeah, right. But, it, it, you know, to go out there and, you know, we'd been good all month and get a, you finally have a much bigger crowd there on qualifying day and you go out and you see people standing up and cheering and uh, you're just nerved up. And to get that run over with, I mean, I, I think our, our average was 233.1 and we ran 237.1 when we busted the lap off. But, yeah. uh, but 233, I was tickled to death with it. It put us on the pole at the time. Uh, we're in the media center. Uh, Lion Dyke had went out, and while while we're finishing up our media deal, Lion Dyke goes out there and, and sets a new track record and yeah. bust, bust our lap off. And um, so immediately Larry Curry comes over. He's in there, and he's talking to me. He's like, man, I and that was a big deal. Team Minard, that was a big deal to them to be on the pole of the Indy 500. and paid $100,000, but it was a big deal to them. That, that's just something that was always huge to them. Right. And I didn't know what he wanted to do because Scotty had already qualified. You know, Scotty was third or second at the time yeah. to us. And I'm like, well, I, I can go I can We can go quicker. We need to put a little – because I told him, I'm like, I know we left some out there. You know, we need to put more front flap in it, you know, get the nose cut just a little right. bit better and we'll be fine. I said, hey, take some off the back. I don't care. And nerves aside, I mean, you're of the mindset you want pole. You're, oh, dude, I'm you're, nutted up for it because okay. now I'm as passionate as those guys are about about all this. You know, so I told him, I told Larry, I was like, you know, if you want to, you want to, you know, because he's Scratch talking about scratching, yeah. scratching a car. I yeah. said, well, if you want to scratch mine, I'll go, I'll go run the backup car. Backup car is just as good as our primary. Yeah. And, I, and so for, for that year, we had Scotty Brayton, Eddie Cheever, myself, and Mark Dismore. Yeah. And then we had two backup cars. So we had six cars in the fleet. So if we scratch a car, that car is done right. for the right. for the rest of the event. Yeah. And then you got the two backup cars. So uh, so I'm like, oh, you know, scratch mine. Sure. I'm fine in the backup yeah, car. I mean, yeah. I'm ready to go. I, I was because I I felt a little embarrassed that I didn't back up what I ran and you know <laughs> <laughs> rookie orientation. <laughs> but it was like with no pop off valve. So yeah, it's, a little you know, different. Thought we it was it was okay. But uh, so Larry, you know, decides to scratch Scotty's time. Right. And they go out, and as Scotty's running and making his run, he finishes his run. He beats Lion Dyke's yeah. time. 
And then after that, we find out that Lion Dyke's car is seven pounds light, and his run got yeah, DQ. So got DQ'd. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. So I, I would have, I would have stayed on the pole. Yeah. And then, like you said, I mean, you know, we, so Eddie and Scotty would run the two backup cars one day, and then Mark and I, I ran Scotty. Scotty and I shared a car, and Mark sure. and Eddie, because they were same on the height, backup, yeah. uh, okay. shared the backup cars to to practice, and um, you know, so. The, the, I remember I was getting ready to walk out the door to go to the track to do media the day that Scotty passed and yeah. and I was literally a buddy of mine had driven up from Columbus and met me at my apartment in Indy and uh, we were just getting ready to walk out the door and the car came on TV and I was like hold on man I'm trying I didn't know if it was a if it was me running yeah. the day before or what it was and and I saw the sidewall I saw the chunk of rubber it's fly up and I saw yeah, the car crash right. and I knew it was bad and before I even had an update I jumped in the car and headed to the speedway and by yeah. the time I got to the speedway. Um, all the garage doors were down in our yeah. garage bays, and I went in there and, and you know, literally pulled me off to the side and told me that we'd lost Scott. So so I went from the pole to being bumped off the pole, would have been on the pole if we didn't bump me off, and then ended up back on the pole, you know, yeah. to, to <coughs> take Scott's place. But, um, you know, it was it was a pretty pretty cool first year. And the first, you know, those first 44 laps of the race, we let every lap and, and just walking cool the dog. The and yeah. And then Larry actually was calling on the radio. He's like, "Got it." He goes, "You got to slow down. You got to slow down." I'm finally like, "Larry, I've got the valve. All, I had the ba- the pop off, or the not the pop off, but the uh, boost knob all the way back down. I could not unwind the boost well, knob he, any more than what I already had it." Was yeah. he is he just worried about you losing it, or are we trying to preserve something? He's when trying he's to save the motor. Yeah, just trying to take care of the motor. Right. Yeah. And uh, and it got to the point where I'm like, "All right, well, I'll just try lifting, you know, in one and three, and trying to give a little courtesy lift, you know." I mean, we're still driving. I mean, driving away from these guys, right. and I've got no boot. You know, got the boost back down all yeah. the way. Yeah. And it just, my car was locked on. Yeah. And so I started lifting. Then my lap times went all over the board. I was real inconsistent because you're just not. It's not, it's not what you're trying to do. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's not a cup car. Right. So it's you. You roll out of a car that weighs 1,600 pounds and it has a lot of you know uh-huh. yeah, with the wings and race trim. It had a lot of drag in it. It, yeah. it slows down pretty quick. <laughs> so it was hard to modulate it. And, so uh, I just went back to running my pace, and he was pretty upset with me about it. I'm like, listen, if I can't sit there and run with the boost all the way opened up and run wide open, I said, I didn't I didn't hurt that motor. Yeah, it's not going to matter. Yeah. 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 And then he finally came to terms with that, too. But it was uh, that was the best shot I had. My Ricky year was my best shot at winning the 500. Yeah. So. Does the name uh, Kevin Blanche ring a bell? Yeah. Rocket. Yeah, Rocket. Yep. Yeah. Looks like he's a – when he wears a hat, it looks like a train conductor's hat. I think it he's does. finally started. Bit, yeah, it totally that's does. He's got a little yeah. pin head, and then he's yeah. got that, you know, mustache like a train conductor. But his hat was always real tall. Made him look about six inches taller than he really was. Yeah. So. Are you aware he's uh, he owns a second ever transsexual pig? I was gonna say you guys have something in common. Wait a minute. Pet pigs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pigs. Not, not there, there, was a, there was a detail in there that did not make us <laughs> similar in any way. Hey, shape pigs or are pigs, man. Pigs are pigs. Yeah. No, I, I did not know that. I could probably go the rest of my life and not have known that. Been <laughs> Quite content. <laughs> to be just to clarify, it got into a, it, it basically got a accident. stick go the wrong way, just running through the woods one day, and they had to perform a surgery. Yeah, and the pig survived. Yeah, <laughs> the look we're getting right now. <laughs> so please don't leave after that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Of all people, though, I, I can see it being him that would own this pig, though. So yeah, he's he, proud of it. Kind of doesn't surprise me i guess did you have a follow-up to the indycar thing oh, well i'm uh, going uh, pig stuff if you know uh, uh well, i don't want to be a downer but was scotty's accident the first kind of severe accident you dealt with in person like that first hand yes yeah um you know obviously 
when I got in the sprint car stuff, I mean, we'd lost Rich Vogler. I was yeah. coming home from a three-quarter midget race the night right. that Rich crashed. Um, we lost Robbie Stanley. Yeah. Um, that that was a big deal. Um, but, I mean, I, I really, I guess the Scotty thing, I mean, that was, I'd only raced with him two races. Yeah. But I, everybody loved Scotty. I mean, Scotty was yeah. one of those guys that, you know, wasn't going to go out and win a lot of races, but if a popularity contest, I mean, yeah. with all the drivers, he, everybody loved him. Yeah. So, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the time that I got to spend with him. Um, and, and when you when you have a teammate like that yeah. and, and you're doing appearances together and you're sitting in debriefs together and you sit together because, you know, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I always I sat in between him and Mark because Mark and I obviously yeah, big past history together. together sure. and, yeah. and But I liked Scotty. Scotty and I got on really well and, and uh, you know, it was a big deal when we lost him. So it was uh, – that was that was the first eye opener that hey you're not you're not invincible right and the stuff I'm doing's got consequences if, if you crash well, and, you're, and you're driving cars that even today aren't doing the speeds you were doing especially like you were hitting stupid numbers on yeah. the on the back stretch um, I hate the the I mean cliche. orientation the top speed was 250 <laughs> at the end of the back stretch on the lap that I ran 237 yeah, yeah. pre soft wall no yeah. Hans I yep. mean all that stuff. Uh, I, I hate to ask the cliched questions, but but the fear side of it was that a factor that year more than any other? I think afterwards, the first couple of days that I got back in the car after Scotty's <laughs> deal, because we really didn't know why it happened. Right, and that's what scared me. It's like, man, it, yeah, I, I, this is what's making me nervous about right. the whole thing. Is I just don't understand what happened. What happened? Yeah, and yeah. How do we keep that from happening again? Yeah. That's that's what yeah. I kept saying to to our engineers. How are we going to make sure this doesn't happen to one of the other three of us? Yeah. And nobody, nobody had an answer for it. You know, they just said it. You know, they thought maybe you ran over something. And, but you could, you physically could see something go right, up in the air. Up before, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And so it's so that part was kind of unnerving. But uh, I think the third, you know, the, by the third day, I was kind of had that out of my system. And we still had speed those first two days, but yeah. it just felt different. Yeah. You know, obviously. Um, but the day I remember the day that we got Scotty's car, his race car. Uh, that he qualified back to the track. Yeah. Um, Larry wanted me to shake it down. Yeah. And so that was a really big deal. Yeah, for sure. With the press and everything that yeah. day. And, dude, we ripped off some pretty yeah. good laps when we went out and took that car. But it was like, it was almost like an out-of-body experience. It was yeah. really weird. The whole run was weird. It just, you just kind of, kind of felt like you were going through the motions and somebody else was doing the work and you yeah. were just kind of riding along and going through the motions. Yeah, yeah. I totally get and that. And that's what I told Larry afterwards. I said, <coughs> you know, that's that's the weirdest run I've ever had in a race car. I said, I didn't feel like I really did anything. Yeah. I said, I don't really feel like I was driving. I feel like Scotty was driving it and yeah. I was just riding along. Yeah, yeah. And that's the way it felt. And, and Ron Burton heard that and did a painting of that. Oh, oh that's, that's cool. cool. Did a painting yeah, with, yeah. I think, of the, th of the front row coming down and then above that was Scotty. Uh, like Scotty would have been He's looking it. over, yeah. yeah. That's, That's over top cool. at the top of the painting. So, All right, we'll break things up. And you can ask about pigs. Hey, let's bring the energy back. <laughs> yeah. uh, pig, pig pets. Obviously, three uh, greats. You, yeah. We got Kevin Blanche, otherwise known as Rocket, with a pet pig. We have Tony Stewart. And Max Pappas has two pet pigs. Oh, sh they we haven't have, had them on yet. We haven't had them yet. Uh, but Mario Andretti, yep. had a pet pig for yep. about 16 years, and he swears by it. And apparently, you do too. I had a pig. Yeah. Um, pork chop, right? I had pork chop, and yeah. then I had, uh, I got my dog, Max. Yeah. And uh, he did, pork chop did not like 
any other dog or any other pet being around. Right. And they, when they got fighting, I actually got in the middle one day and I got bit. And I'm not sure if it was the dog that bit me or the pig that bit me. That was right. the hard part, but it, I got ticked off about yeah. it. Right. And they had been squabbling for a couple months, and okay. it, but it, it just the intensity kept going up, 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 up. Yeah. And the dog was really good about it at first. And then finally the dog's like, I've had enough of this. And he would protect himself. That's all he was doing was protecting right. yeah, himself. Yeah. But like I said, I got in the middle of it one day and I got bit and then I got pissed. Yeah. And so... Uh, I had to make a decision. Do I keep the pig that sleeps 20 hours out of the day or do I take the dog that I take in the truck with me to the shop and right. take him everywhere I go? So so the pig lives three miles from the house uh, enjoying farm life. So he doesn't doesn't quite have the nice comfy uh, bed the and, and space here right. in his room like he's used to. So right. he's having to tough it like a real pig. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> shouldn't, have bit, shouldn't have bit me, bud. <laughs> He'd be in a warm house still in the winter. They are notoriously clever. Is there any shit you got into? No, he wasn't really bad. I, but he, like I say, he he was a big sleeper. He slept a lot. Okay. Yeah. I never saw everybody else that had pigs. I, I don't think had a pig that slept as much as Porkchop did. But okay. he loved to sleep. And uh, but I mean, shoot, we'd we he would be in the bed. We'd let him in the bed. He'd sleep all <laughs> night in the bed if you let him. But he would get he literally would get so hot. It was like it was like having your girlfriend in bed you know how your girlfriend wants to lay up against you all night right. and after a while it's just it's like you're laying against a ceramic tile <laughs> off the space shuttle or something and yeah you know sean yeah <laughs> so you just you finally just kick him out but i mean it was it was nice because in the winter when it was cold in your room it didn't take long to stay warm because he'd he'd have the whole bed warm by the time you got in there you put right. him in there for about 10 minutes and he'd move around yeah. and he'd yeah. have the whole bed warmed up it's like all right this right is pretty cool deal but he was pretty cool it was uh i i've had uh, I'm a big pet person, obviously. I mean, yeah. I've had, I think at about a three-year period, I had a, uh, I was a, a uh, oh, like a foster parent for a uh, half Siberian, half Bengal tiger. What? what? Baby, Hang on. Baby tiger. Okay. Ba baby tiger. Still awesome. Sean? Yeah. Way, way uh, cool uh, experience. Uh, from, from three weeks to 14 and a half weeks. In the 14 uh, and a half weeks, she started making my furniture into a toothpick factory. Right. We, we got so, it. It's uh, way too late. Yeah. We've been obsessed on this road trip of we, finding, like using our, our media value to try and get me in some sort of sanctuary where I can pet a tiger. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's awesome. Is it awesome? <laughs> God, don't tell me that. It's, it's way uh, awesome. Now you're making yeah. me mad. So, we, uh, so I, had, I had her. Um, how's had, that, how's that come about? Like, how's that come about with a baby? Like, hey, we have this baby tiger. A uh, place in China Grove that's now under different ownership and as a first class place um, guy that had at the time uh, we got to know him they'd done a promotion with Charlotte Motor Speedway and we, we got to we met the guy he was taking baby tigers around to these bars and people were paying to take yeah. pictures with him so he was making <laughs> he's, he's running the tiger mill well he was that's how he was <laughs> yeah, he's running trying the to make mill. enough money to keep his it. place open that he the had. Tiger mill. and uh, so we met him one night yeah. and, and uh, went out to his place and and uh, I don't. I don't even remember how the conversation happened, but anyway, we we got to where every Sunday after the race, we would go from Concord Airport to China Grove and pick the tiger up, drive to the house, and every Thursday on our way to the airport, drive back to China Grove, drop her drop off, off the, go to the racetrack. So for the weekend. you could literally own a Bengal tiger, but not a McDonald's franchise. I didn't own the tiger. I okay. was just a foster parent. Foster parent. Fair four enough. Four days a week. <laughs> but yeah, I could do that. Well, I don't. I'm pretty sure it wasn't legal to have her where we had her. So okay. Not allowed to not allowed to have statue I, limitations. It's been yeah, plenty of time. Fine. Yeah, we're fine. Yeah, and I really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Fight me. Yeah, come get me. I've been, trust me, I've been through worse. So yeah, come on, bring it on. So but so you had a tiger. I read you had a monkey at yeah, one point. Had Mojo. Had a Pattis monkey, who's in Houston. I think he survived the flooding there. Um, but he's in. He's now in Houston. But we had 
had iguanas. We've had hold parrots. on, wait, 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 wait. Uh, <laughs> a monkey, don't worry a tiger, about it. a pig, dogs, cats. But but why? Like why? Like you like you, it's a, you, why you not? Have a No, I'm all in. That's why. That's what. what every anytime anybody said why, I would say why not. No, he's adorable. I'm looking at a patch monkey. Yeah, right we now. looked this up a patch monkey. Oh, just a generic patch uh, monkey. So we we no, actually I'm all in. It's just like where does that even come that from? Dude like, looks I want mean, that dude me, by the way. Yeah. Like that thing. Well, that's what. That's eventually what led to okay. him not living at the house with us. He, okay. The males get up to 35 pounds, and their canine teeth are about an inch and a half. Oh long. yeah, I don't okay. want to mess with this dude. Damage. No, yeah. you don't. Yeah. That what happened? And what happened was yeah. he he was trying to figure out who the dominant male was, and I was pretty sure I already knew. Yeah. But he was he was making a big run at it. Let's put it that way. Right. Right. Uh, he could bite me. I bit him in the tail one time <laughs> because I got tired of him biting me. So I'm like, if I bite yeah. him, maybe he'll stop biting yeah, me right. back. Absolutely. Monkeys and like I grabbed his tail and yeah. I bit his tail. And my girlfriend was so mad at me for doing that because that was like her baby. That was her child. Oh. Was like I got in more trouble. Oh. He didn't get in any trouble for biting me. Uh, right. I got in but trouble for biting him back. So in his mind, he was her guy, not you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. She, she spoiled him. So. <laughs> I, on the All other right. hand, did not get spoiled. Yeah. Okay. Well, Fair that was enough. the ex-girlfriend, right? Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't the deal breaker, by the You're way. You're like she doesn't like the. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I that was a pretty cool deal too. I mean, I, like I said, I'm a big animal guy, so you know, having a pig and having a monkey and having you know, being able to babysit a tiger four days a week, yeah. th- those are things that most people in their life never get to do and never have the opportunity. Yeah. But stuff we that spent I, a month was trying to really really cool stuff in my life that I got to do that was fun and yeah. challenging at the same time, but it was pretty cool. This is an objective question, but uh, does anyone give you for the idea of being sort of into hunting, but also being a big animal guy? Yes and no. I mean, I, you know, part, that's part of what I learned from Johnny Morris, too. Part of hunting isn't just all about hunting, but it's also about conservation. Yeah. And just like fish, for example. So we, have, we take fish out of our lake and cook them and eat them. Yeah. Same thing with deer on our property. Before that, we were taking hunting deer off our property because it was getting so overpopulated yeah. that... You're almost hitting deer coming down your driveway every right, night. Right, right. And so we started hunting and started letting our friends hunt, and it actually got to where our herd got healthier because they weren't Cause you're they weren't getting rid of the weak. Yeah, yeah. And, and that and there's more, you know, there's only so much food source in a certain area. Yeah. So now you got a food source that can supply yeah. the proper amount of deer on Supply the property. is meaning demand now. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, so it, it's... I'm I'm not a big I'm not somebody if I shoot something I'm gonna eat it okay. I'm not wasting it I'm not shooting something to just shoot it today. Does uh, Penelope know about your your lady past? <sighs> Do the fans? Do the fans? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, the fans say. know my lady past more than she does. Okay, fair she, enough. She she knows alone. nothing about racing. Actually, Marco Andretti introduced the two of us. Ah. So, um, Michael Michael's wife was a former playmate. Yeah. yeah. Penny was a former playmate. Correct. Um, so that's how. Marco, so you're proving Robin Miller wrong. In which which capacity? The quality control, the quality control. on the ladies' side. Oh, trust me, I'm, good. I'm happy with the quality I got right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, you're going to get it right. Yeah. So if you're patient. Yeah. I've made it 46 you don't years. Enough at the wall. Yeah. Something's going to stick, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. But yeah. you you got to be you got to be patient to not throw stuff at the wall and then go run over and slam your head into it, check <laughs> if it actually stuck or not. So I've been patient. I'm gonna write that down. Now we're <laughs> we're on your team in this sense. Is it still true that you you vow never to get married? I'm holding out as long as I can. Fair she's enough. making it really difficult. Yeah, yeah. she's she's yeah. trying really hard because I'm 46. She's 38. She's looking at it as like the 
like it's a grenade getting ready to go off on having kids. She's right, right. I'm like, listen, I can barely, t- I can't, t- I can hardly take care of myself. Yeah, yeah. Then when you throw the dog on top of it, that pretty much maxes out my capability of taking care of anything. Right, right. And I'm like, I, I'm, I can't do it. Yeah, kids don't sleep till noon. No, but I, if you sleep in another bedroom, you can. <laughs> I can promise you. Don't, yeah, don't do it. I, I'm, that's my whole plan. I'm because I said, listen, I, I told her, I, I just got, I finally got really pissed off one night when she was got in the kid category. I'm like, listen, I said, it's not that I don't like kids. I love my niece and nephew. I like when somebody else has kids. I, I just, I don't want to know about it. Yeah. You know, I said, I can't, I can't take care. I can't take care of myself. How am I going to take care of a kid? She goes, she's Latino. So her family is from Mexico and yeah. brothers Mexican. She's the first American in her family. Right. So um, she's like, hey, that's not your job. I'm like, excuse me? Huh. She goes, you know, she goes, that's my job to take care of the baby. So I don't have to change diapers and do the feed and all right. that stuff. She goes, yeah, that's my job. All right, now we can okay, at least now we can talk. have a we conversation can, can about it. Yeah, yeah, we're not going to have not, we're, we're not going to get mad anymore about the conversation. <laughs> we can have the conversation. I'm not telling you we're going to do this, right. but we can at least have the conversation now. So, have you ever seen Eddie Murphy raw? Yes. Okay. Half. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't don't worry. I mentioned that too. She goes, why would I? Why do I deserve anything of what you did before I was around? She goes, she, I wasn't. I didn't. She's not real. She dude. Well, that's what I said too. Okay. But trust me, I checked right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sounds no, like, Adam's like on the moment. Yeah, like yeah. on. Okay, yeah. Well, as soon as I got the first <laughs> like, opportunity, nice to meet I, you. Yeah, yeah. Let me check something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. As soon as I got the first opportunity, I did a thorough inspection. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Copy that. Copy that. Add a boy. Kind of one of the things I wanted to ask you about because uh, you, you know you, you've had a history in the sport of not backing down off the track as much as on it, and you've had your run-ins with like the Loganos and uh, Jeff Gordon and, and whatever. And one of the ones that always stood out to me because I think of you guys kind of in the same realm as you and Montoya at Homestead a bunch of years ago. You guys get together early in the race. You take him. Neither out. one of us was going to win that deal, by the way. Yeah, right, that proved to be a very bad idea. Yeah, and then so he he goes out of the race for like 30, 40 laps or something. They they rebuilt his car probably just to go back out and yeah. your day up. And I, and it, I saw it a lap before it happened. I right. see him riding around, okay. and when he yeah. pulled down on the back stretch to let me go, I'm like, I'm <laughs> not going to make it out the other <laughs> yeah, end. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I tried to. I literally tried to overdrive the corner. Yeah. Yeah. And just hoping to out. He, he yeah. overdrove it worse. Yeah. Than I, I did. mean, no he one. hit the wall taking you out. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's oh, like yeah. into the wall, and. My thought watching that, and I, I literally just doing our research for the dinner, I was thinking, I'm like, oh, i got to watch some old clips. And I saw it. I was like, man, I remember that happening. And uh, I've always thought of Montoya as just like a total wheel man. You know, he's just like, oh, both, he both of you guys are just yeah. crazy guys that are like, yeah, we're going to go race. We're going for it. We don't care. And so my my idea of that whole thing happening is as he's coming to get you back, as you're like spinning towards the wall, you're like, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what yeah, that's what should have happened. That's exactly what I. Yeah. What I like. I, I was mad at myself more than yeah. anything because I didn't wreck him hard enough to junk him to take him out. Where yeah. they couldn't fix yeah, yeah. it, yeah. and yeah. that was my fault. Yeah. Like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, and so I made sure I had a policy after that. If I got mad enough at a guy that it's I was gonna park him for the day, I made sure that he could not fix it. Right. Yeah. I was gonna crash him hard enough they were not gonna fix the car and get back out there. Yeah. You, you needed that five minute rule they have now. Well, that, oh, dude, I'd have, made, I'd have had a whole different career if we had a five-minute rule. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want every championship. Nobody would have finished. <laughs> have, it would have looked like Survivor. I'd have been the last man standing on the right, field. Right, right. So the, the Homestead race ends. You and Montoya, like, really quickly after that, did, like, a press a radio thing, and you guys were, like, high-fiving and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, again, because they're the same guy. we appreciate each other, yeah. Right, exactly. And Jeff and I are the same way. It was, it was, it was weird because, you know, I came in, and I came from the same background Jeff did, and, and Jeff – 
I think it was a little more of an ego thing for Jeff at the time because Jeff was the, the hot young guy. Right. Now there's another young guy coming in from the same kind of cars and actually right. got to drive the car that Jeff Gordon drove <laughs> oh, no shit. Uh, for a season. And um, so it, when I came in there and I got running well, I mean, it, I don't think Jeff liked it. And I was real aggressive at, at starts, and mm -hmm. Jeff was like, you don't need to be racing me that hard at starts. Well, why? I raced this, the rest of them, and none of them guys gripe about how I'm racing them, but yeah. Jeff didn't want me outrunning him. And But we had our run-ins, and, and I loved beating Jeff Gordon better, more than anybody. Yeah. But then when I went to Stuart Haas Racing, and we were working with Hendrick, Jeff and I spent a lot of time with each other, because we essentially were feeding off of each yeah, other, working yeah. for each other. And uh, that Thank ended you. up being a really cool deal for us. I mean, we, we got along a lot better. Yeah. It was like, man, we wish we could have got along like this years ago. And uh, and that's where, you know, last spring when I, you know, my last year before the season started, a week before the season, I broke my back. Well, I was on a trip with Jeff Gordon that Jeff is like, you got to come. you got to make time and come do this with us. you got to come. You have to come do this with us. And I finally got my schedule cleared out to do it and yeah. I go and break my back in the first hour that we're riding and he was he was devastated but it was it was kind of funny because it was Jeff and Ray Evernham and Rusty Wallace and Don Snake Perdome and we get out there and I you know I went over a dune and and so they said don't try to just turn and don't stop facing uphill they said you'll get stuck right so I drove all the way to the down to the bottom turn and I watched the whole group and when I saw the guy that was last in the group then I drove back up and got back in line but I'm the last guy yeah so that's why nobody saw me so I laid in the desert for two hours oh, laying beside the side beside the sand rail yeah. with a sandstorm that was forecasted that we knew was coming I'm like this is great so I got my cell phone out and there's no service yeah, after yeah, yeah. And I, I hurt too bad to even play games to entertain myself. I just was in pain. Yeah. yeah. So you lay there for two hours. So finally they find me. And Jeff's about to lose his sh I mean, he's losing his mind. Cause yeah. He's yeah. like, what have I done? Yeah, yeah, he seems like a caring guy. Oh, yeah, yeah He'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. 100%. Yeah, yeah. And he's yeah. freaking out. And I'm pretty calm by this point. I'm just glad they found me. So Everham and Perdome are taller than me, so they kind of carry me. Ron Pratt's who we were riding with, and they got me in Ron's deal. Jeff climbs on the other side, feeds my feet in. So I try to sit down. I can't even sit down. I'm in so much pain, but I can kind of – I'm holding on to the top of the sand rail with my right hand and holding myself off the seat with my left hand, and my feet are on the footrest, and I can kind of hold myself up straight, you know, in a straight line yeah, at an yeah, angle. Yeah, and uh, right. the, the thing that's so funny about that whole deal – was I, I'm like, okay, I, I just got to hold myself up. I can't sit down because I'm, I'm in a ton of pain if I sit down. Right. Jeff reaches over, grabs the lap belts, lengthens the lap belts, and puts the seat belt back over top of me. I'm not even sitting in the seat. Right. I'm like, w what's this going to do? He goes, I just feel a lot better knowing you got a belt on now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm, my ass is a foot <laughs> off the seat. Right. It's not hold. It's not going to do a damn thing but yeah. break me in half if something happens at this point. But uh, but Jeff had made sure that he was adamant that I had to wear the seatbelt right. to get out of there. So uh, the seatbelt was of no use at that point. But, <laughs> but it was really cool. I mean, I, I was glad that the you know for six or seven years there at the end of my deal that I got to work with Jeff Gordon. It was, it was right. a lot That's of fun. Cool. And, and I, I I think if we could have I I had <laughs> way back when uh, I guess it would have been. Oh, at the end of 95 or halfway through 95, 96, I guess, maybe 96. Um, I was already doing the Rainier Walsh deal, and um, and they were testing at Brickyard. And uh, Eddie Dickerson, that worked for Hendrick at the time, uh, said, hey, you want to you make a couple laps in this thing? Thank you. 
This was in Jeff's car. This was, right. Jeff was like top of the board that day. And I'm like, hell yeah. Right. I said, I got to call Rainier first and see if it's all right, though. Sure, sure. So I call Rainier, and they're like, absolutely not. Oh, really? Which I realized was selfish reasons, and I should have just went in and did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. do it. But yeah. I was scared. I did. I just signed my well, first so young and contract. Yeah. I didn't want to screw anything up. Yeah. yeah. But um, And then at the end of 96, Hendrick called and offered me the 25 car. Oh, so wow. if I, I, who knows how much different it would have been if yeah. I would have been in that 25 car and been Jeff's teammate versus racing, just racing against him from a different organization. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So man, or if that kid had not fallen off that rope and shattered. Yeah, yeah. trust me, I'm. I still <laughs> see him every now and then because his kids are racing. Oh no shit! Now. Oh, you shit. know that? And like I you know that guy? Oh now. Yeah, 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 he's yeah. an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still grateful that he's an idiot. Thank God for him being an idiot or his right. idiot father that hired me wouldn't have hired me. So. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> guys, enjoy your dinner. Go ahead. That's oh, part of it. We, we just kind of do this. Do I'll, I'll drink my beer and yeah. I'll drink my liquid dinner. I'm finished. When you're down. You give it all away Honey, there is no mirror That could ever shield you from your pain One step up, three steps down And somehow you think you are I would give anything more To see you play the cards you hold And maybe if it were easier Easier now Well maybe then you might know Oh, but since your life ain't pleasing ya Pleasing you now You give it up and no come and go It takes time for the light To shield way to the dark Cover yourself in diamonds But you and I still share the mark Forty days in a dreamland Won't get you through the night I hope for you that someday soon it all turns out alright And maybe if it were easier, easier Well maybe then you might know Oh, but since your life ain't pleasing you, pleasing you you give it up and no come and go And maybe you should play the cards you hold Play the cards you hold